0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 9 of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, Angus Boyle. On today's show, I'm joined by the host of a very successful podcast, the Skeptic Tank Podcast, a man who is a writer, an actor, a producer, and who, at least according to Wikipedia, has appeared on the Joe Rogan Experience 44 times. All of this, in his own words, is secondary to the one thing that he truly considers himself, which is a stand-up comedian. Uh, A man who I had the pleasure of hanging out with in a field for five days at Glastonbury last year. Uh, And a man who I have the pleasure to call my friend. A man who needs no introduction, but who I'm giving a big introduction to anyway. It is Mr. Ari Shafir. On today's show, we talk, I mean, just a warning. The first probably 40 minutes are just talking shit and reminiscing about Glastonbury and, you know, all of the misdeeds we uh, got up to in that large field, which were glorious. It was amazing. If you were there, you get it. If you weren't, you probably don't. Uh, I think you'll still enjoy the stories, even if you weren't there, though, because who just doesn't like a good story about a Big old dirty festival in a field. Yeah. In the show today, we talk about a bunch of stuff. So yeah, like I said, we derail the conversation pretty sharpish as it begins and chat shit reminiscing about our, uh, our fun time at Glastonbury. But then we do eventually rein it in and actually get down to business and talk about some, uh, some really interesting stuff. So obviously the first comedian who's been on the podcast. So it's uh, a bit of a different angle to some of the previous guests, but we talked through a bunch of stuff like how to, how to persevere, I guess, through the, the tough times as an early stage comedian, how to constantly have new material or to work on it, how to work on it. How to, how to set yourself up for success in the early days as a comedian. We talk about Ari's journey as a comedian from, you know, working on the door in the the comedy store, is it called the comedy store? I think it is. Working on the door there for years and years and, and the owner just sort of playing with him and not letting him on for ages, but then, you know, persevering through all that, how those things made him tougher, how, you know, you need to bomb a bunch to be a good comedian, how you need to get comfortable with all of those things. um, And some really definitely interesting and insightful Words of wisdom from someone who has absolutely dominated the comedy scene, both in America and globally. Obviously, have to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, artbyengus.com. Yeah, it's me. I'm the sponsor of my own podcast. Deal with it. And preferably go buy some art, because it's beautiful, it's affordable, and it's almost certain like, really as close to certain as something can be that it's going to vastly increase in value over the next 50 years. So, I'm just saying it's your opportunity to get into the ground floor. While this shit's hot. Well, maybe. <laughs> Before it's hot. Or as it's warming up. I don't know. Whatever. Just go buy a fucking painting and stop being an asshole. Alright? Other than that, I would really appreciate, you know, any subscriptions to the show. Any reviews. If you could share this episode with a friend. Spread the word. Get the, uh, get the creative marketing word out there to the world. It's what we want, people. Come on. Other than that, I'm gonna stop talking shit and let you listen to me talking shit with someone else. Who potentially is the person you're here to listen to. So, without further ado... Let's get into the show. Also, P.S., don't forget to follow me on Instagram too, at Angus Boyle, A-E-N-G-U-S. I'm not a fucking burger. My name's not fucking Angus. Just a note for some people. Cheers. Welcome to the Creative Marketing Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode nine of the Creative Marketing Podcast. Today I am joined by a stand-up comedian, successful podcast host, and now YouTuber as well, a spiritually enlightened master of yoga, <laughs> and um, a man who's lucky enough to call himself my friend. It's Mr. Ari Shafir, ladies and gentlemen. What's Thank up, you, Angie? Ari, for joining me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I haven't seen you forever. I, it's been too long. We were
1: supposed to this fucking summer at Glassmere, and then Corona just ruined it. I know we had such hope too. We kept like, you know, that thing of like in mid March, you're like, all right, let's wait a couple of weeks and this will pass. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <19 laughs> March, April, even May. I'm like, well, they haven't called it yet. Well, it's, it's sick. I think we can still do it. It's something, some context, <laughs> but no. Um, I guess anything I missed in the intro that you would describe yourself as or? No, it's mostly just stand up comedian. The rest is just marketing. So I think it goes well cool with this.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's what perfect.
1: I guess my sort
0: of plan is in the intro. I'm planning to say the point at which the podcast becomes relevant for people who are seeking marketing advice, because I want to derail the podcast immediately for the first while and discuss <laughs> okay. the story of how we met. Because I just want to, I just want to record in history, because it's probably the best week of my life. Um, oh, it's so fun! Certainly, up there. So much fun. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm. I sometimes it's fine if it's on your podcast. I'm sometimes reticent to tell. Is that the right word? To tell my fans about Glastonbury mm-hmm. until I get tickets next time. Because I don't want extra people coming and hurting my chances. But that's, like, That's fair. Yeah. Like we're late not a... June, I was already going to be like, hey guys, you got to <laughs> check out this festival. But now it's delayed, so I don't know. They say,
0: uh, yeah. Ho- I mean, hopefully the audience gets big enough that that's an issue. But uh, not right now, an issue that we're struggling with. I guess I'll, I'll kick things off because this is a funny, okay. this is my first memory of you, which I think is very funny is For the people listening, Ari's a very tall man with like very long limbs, I would say, like above above average length of limbs, even for a tall person. And I just walked back to the camp and you were sat in a camping chair with like which you just made look tiny got <laughs> giant <laughs> limbs, <laughs> and you were hand grinding weed <laughs> to try and roll a joint. And I was like, are "You okay there? Do you, do you want like a grinder?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, that'll be great." <laughs> That's uh, my yeah. resounding stand uh, yeah. memory of just you in that chair. I
1: remember, yeah, I just remember going by there and just be like, just that area, like I guess it was you and um, fuck, Dave, Who, Chris, Chris, yeah, 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 and um, I was like, "Are you guys?" are you in my camp <laughs> one of you is like well who's in your i don't know who's in your camp i don't know i don't know and i'm like it was around here at the bathrooms yeah and then it was just on it was great
0: what an oh, opening great bathroom. first day it
1: was it was wednesday morning i guess when and people didn't really come to wednesday night yeah so just we went for a walk for like... we did a lap i feel like yeah. we smoked we
0: smoked a joint of that then ground weed with remember that random dude who came and like sat with us and was uh, like yeah it's <laughs> just was like uh, said he was looking for weed but didn't ask for any weed and then we sort of gave him some of the joint but then none of us we were all too awkward to stop so we just kept passing this joint i think a long time after any of us wanted. so then we just went for this walk we we're about like slightly too high
1: though. <laughs> it was yeah. gone dude it's so hard too because it's like when you smoke a joint there's never a point where you're like hey i'm done you guys <laughs> like, you don't yeah. want to like end the party pipes are easy because you got to refill them all the time but jo- just like, Even if you skip one, you're like, no thanks, no thanks. Eventually, you're going to like, I guess I'll hit it again. <laughs> the joint's gone. Um,
0: but yeah, what else? I feel like that was the beginning. Where do we go from there?
1: Yeah, we just had a fucking wonderful time in Glastonbury. It was such a fucking fun festival. Had a great time by the bathrooms. Perfect camp. <laughs> yeah, our we camp was literally it.
0: directly beside the smell of shit. We we Easiest get very used job. to it very quickly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, you smell your way you could smell your way home. It made it quite, <laughs> quite, quite great. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. My camp's around here. Yeah, it was okay most of the time. Like an hour spread out in like thirty-second intervals throughout the day. The wind would shift, and it would be, it would be <laughs> barf-inducing. Um, That's true. We just did. I don't know what you're allowed to say here. But like, uh, I feel like we're allowed to say whatever we want. We just did hella drugs and had a great time and watched music. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think you are deeply to thank for for my new career in painting. That's what I honestly think. Cause yeah. I think you fed me mushrooms, which I then didn't
1: stop eating for all of Glastonbury. And- I've never seen anyone go that hard in general, let alone for that first time. So I got I was in Wales before doing a show to like pay for my trip out there. It's a lot easier to go from London than the United States to Glastonbury. And so um I just reached out feelers, and I was like, can anyone help me find mushrooms? I don't know if I could find some at the festival. Turns out you totally could. I just put out feelers online to be like, who can help me find mushrooms in, in Wales, in uh, Cardiff? And then someone's like, yeah, I can get some, how much you need. And I was like, I don't know, maybe like an eighth or two. I don't know who's going to do it. And then the more the group just started weighing in, like, I'll do some, I'll do some. I kept going back to the I was like, I think I need a half ounce. I think I need an ounce. And I was like, I think I need two ounces, dude. I just want to be sure. And he was like, all right, if you're paying for them. It was great. It was like a, it was like I remember wrapping he wrapped it in birthday wrapper. So it was about that big. Oh
0: yeah.
1: It looked like a wrapped like rugby uh ball, <laughs> you know. <laughs> just like the softest it was just a pillow of mushrooms. <laughs> and then I was trying to like give them out perfectly. So I was like, okay, everybody, I'm trying to understand everybody's like tolerance. Some people were like Is that too much for me like no, nah, no, you're a hardcore alcoholic. You can have more. You can have more. You need this much. And then once everybody had their amount, I'm like, well, let's let's each take a little pouch in case we split up, so everyone will have some. And you got some, and just immediately vanished. You had one of the pouches, and then you were just gone to the left. So I was like, all right, well, he's not gonna run out of mushrooms. And yeah, you just kept eating them. I've never seen it. The next day, you're like, let's do more mushrooms. It's fucking ballsy. I got a taste, man, and I couldn't couldn't look back. It was uh... yeah it's too much fun
0: i was like i got met a man who'd been at every glass or been at glassman for like the last 20 years and his advice was this the minute the second that you are like oh, i kind of want to go do something else then go do something else because like it's too big and fun a place and i i don't know what was happening but i just had some thought and i was like hmm,
1: i'm gonna go over here now yeah i saw you i saw um helen that way and then you that way and i was like um and we were going she was leading to where we were going and i was like yeah angus will be I guess <laughs> so he just like left <laughs> it was great it was great i am um, yeah but
0: yeah so i think that i think i think the the impact of all those mushrooms made me have a newfound
1: appreciation for color <laughs> well what did you yeah what did you get on those mushrooms for four straight days I mean, you just never stopped chewing them it was almost like you filled up on them I, i've never <laughs> seen anyone actually got the caloric intake from mushrooms that you got <laughs> you yeah like it four more pounds color. of mushroom weight yeah um oh
0: i can i mean i there's 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 not that much i can remember but i i how are your, like
1: how were how your dumps during that how was your how was your shits because when i take I a mean, mushroom shirt it's not usually not great but i've never had a three <laughs> in a row i like
0: i just it was like the smell of those toilets is so overpowering that like any shit is the worst shit of it, like all time. Yeah. Also, <laughs> fun story about shitting at class. Hosier was on and he has this one song that's like my favorite song of his. And I was like, I'm going to go for a shit during the set. And just as I started shitting, he played that song. Uh, <laughs> I was like, fuck's <laughs> sake.
1: Well, <laughs> what a great memory. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so the but colors yeah. get way brighter Do you doing that? Was that the deal? Oh,
0: I don't know man I just felt like I was getting The deep wisdom of the universe At one point This was probably the, the standout moment Of mushroom dripping in Glastonbury Was I stood I, I you, You'll recall this It's hard for anyone listening on a podcast But I stood like with my arms like this For like a lot of time staring at the sky And I literally felt like Time and space was going in a vortex around me like this. It was like it was the craziest shit in the world. um wow. it was quality.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Everybody gets ups- gets like nervous to take mushrooms, which is fair because <sighs> it's a loss of control. But I'm always like, you're not gonna. It's, you're just gonna have a great time. I, yeah. You might lose some. I don't know your your own like, I guess control. I guess, but like yeah I mean, who cares even the bad <laughs> moments it's just they're bad for like an hour and then you're back to great yeah well, i guess what were your standout memories from glassbury um i remember okay so when we were so we both took some mushroom, a bunch of mushrooms you way more than me but you helped me like get <laughs> some more on but i remember sitting there where we saw lizzo in between two bands um, and and you were had that fucking giant cat in the hat like you know <laughs> rainbow color cat in the hat hat on i had a a, a tie-dyed like a fisher hat um one of those flop hats I think a tie-dye shirt also and you had your fucking linen shirt and linen pants oh yeah. so, just some drug dealer comes over and just goes hey do you guys want these mushrooms <laughs> do you guys want to buy mushrooms?" it wasn't even like do you need anything it was like specifically you two. I know you're looking for <laughs> mushrooms do you need any more or do you have enough and we're like I'll take some of yours and those like fig balls they were great I remember that you were like, Oh, I'll get two.
0: And then you gave me one and I went to open it immediately. And we'd already, we were on a significant amount. You were
1: like, no, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> like we're Not already now. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, it is a lame idea, like save drugs. It's like, come on, just take them. You already <laughs> have them. Uh, my, I think one of my stand-up moments was I was on mushrooms that first night. I got um I got like right when Helen and uh fuck, I forget everybody's name now, took me to uh took that. DJ booth somebody recognized me which only happened a few times Happened like I think 15 times throughout the whole wasn't that bad but I was fucked up and I just didn't want to be looked at so I got weirded out and I just kind of like I just wandered away I just left so I was kind of on my own too and then what do mushrooms I just I did you know another stand-up moment actually to back up was when you saw me yawning right when you took him you're like you you're yawning that means you're kicking in <laughs> and I was like did I tell you that I don't know if I, t- I guess I told you that I don't know um and i just want a place to sit down like with my back to a wall so i could observe everybody but kind of be separated um one time at comic-con in san diego we found some i was on mushrooms we found some bar that was like glass enclosed to the street with all the freaks are going so we could like sit at a, at a booth completely safe and watch all the freaks instead of being okay. among them so i just <laughs> wanted that like, i couldn't find a place to just sit with my back to a wall and just like sit on the ground and maybe stare at the stars and then i went through uh TP area, you know, yeah. all those TP Healing dark. fields. Maybe the healing fields, yeah. And I'm just needing a place to sit. And I yeah, every time I hear some drunken frat guys, I'm like, yeah, not my vibe. I I just want them to be like, oh, that guy's fucked up. One time I, saw, <laughs> I just hate it. I hate one time I was at I was at a festival in Delaware and I was laying on my back staring at the stars. I think. I think Eminem was on, or maybe the killers too. And um it was in between and all my group left to go to the bathroom where I was staring straight up at the sky and I just heard someone who I pictured as a mom just going, I never want to be that fucked up. And I knew they were talking about me and I was like, eh, it's actually pretty great. But yeah. um, And I was looking for a place through the teepee fields and I just saw a sign on the ground, like a little chalkboard, like a two feet by one feet or two feet by two feet. And it just said, if you need a rest, something along the lines of if you're weary, come on inside and take a load off. And And the opening of the teepee was maybe three feet tall it wasn't like full and i i, I walked past it. i was like that's weird and i walked past it and then i after like 30 feet i was like hold on that does seem kind of perfect and i have this theory <laughs> that mushrooms will just look out for you no matter what it is they'll look out for you like they're never going to steer you wrong so i just kind of went back and i stood over there and i was like i'm going in and it was fucking pitch black in there and all these blankets set up and and it was really big it was a giant area like 15 feet by 15 feet and then i just like went to the back and laid on a blanket on these like dirty pillows and i just laid there for a (laughs) while at some point somebody came in he couldn't see anybody goes anybody in here and he just laid down for like two minutes so his friends were like come on out of there and then he left thankfully and after like two hours i just came out i was just listening to the sounds of glastonbury around me it was fucking epic i I don't know who put that sign up but i felt like they did it just for me like just for me
0: That that whole place feels like that. It feels like everything is like, and it is. Do you know what is another thing? Speaking of marketing, it's like so refreshing because there's loads of billboards everywhere, like at other places where it would be like, brand name, brand name. And then if you look at any of them, they're all signs being like, be nice to each other. <laughs> yeah. Save the planet. Right.
1: Yeah. It's almost like reclaiming it. I was noticing when I got back, cause I went to another festival just for like one day, just uh, to where a friend was gonna maybe do the art there. And and it, it was like evidence because you see Pepsi and, and Citibank and all these things of like branded installations. instead of so just at Glastonbury, those giant flowers and you're just walking through these giant yeah. flowers, but they weren't leading you to purchase anything. Yeah, they were just there for if you're on drugs or if you're like a family, you know, daytime, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was so refreshing. And I noticed the American ones. I don't know if it is that way in other festivals in the UK. But I think like, so, yeah. Fuck, they treat me like a breathing wallet. I hate it. That's I mean, that's most places in America. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Highly I've started, advertised. You know, I've, I've started graffitiing advertisements in New York. Um, nice. What I do is I take this graffiti pen. It's about that wide. It's about like an, uh, two, three centimeters long. And um, it's a paint pen. And I just take out the brand name. So I just leave the picture as like, well, there's art. Nice. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a nice picture, but I just take out the you know, yeah. Coca-Cola from it. Love it. I'm yeah. a big fan of that.
0: I've started I've started spray painting the word love around London. Because really? in a similar in a in an in a bid to brainwash people into being nicer. Hey. Probably the mushroom what? speaking.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, it sounds hippy-dippy sometimes when you let it speak through you, but I'm like, I don't know. It's got a point. Can't hurt it can't hurt yeah what's it gonna do oh, i think you <laughs> see love there but people paint, are gonna be like yeah okay. <laughs> but i'm for hate <laughs>
0: another another stand memory i have is it's like a two-parter on that walk we went on the first day first day, yeah <laughs> you and chris like during the day standards. when it was daytime I think it was just you and I, and we, we ended up at this place that was like, remember this woman who was obsessed, like freakishly obsessed with bees? And it was like, this place makes the, depending on the bee activity, the sounds resonate. Uh, and yeah. it's like, when it was like amazing, and we were like, fucking hell, this is sick. And also, yeah, the fact that, yeah, all bees resonate in the key of
1: C, apparently, globally. She wouldn't stop talking about fucking bees. <laughs> all right, lady, I enjoy your enthusiasm, but I, I do not give a shit about bees. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> If I see one in my apartment, and it's on the floor, I will step on it, but yeah. I, get, I get your love of bees. So great, But yeah, that we, so
0: That like, there was some, it was some installation where like the noise was representative of the activity in the hive. And it was like this really cool song that was playing. And then like three days later, we ended up there with everyone from our camp. And we were like, oh my God, guys, this is the bee place, it's fucking unreal. <laughs> and we got there and it was yeah. just like, like no noise. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> it, yeah was like, it was like, hmm. like bright daytime. All the mystery was gone. I yeah. like, fuck I'm telling you it was cool <laughs> yeah good time yeah what a fucking great time and then the music and shit was all great also but oh, I don't know man it was such a we had such a great camp although I, I kind of think like everybody has a great camp yeah you know? but but our camp was amazing and and it was just like nobody was bothering anybody about like well a few of us are going over here it's like we're going there's like can I go with you guys like yeah sure it was just all very laid back and chill and we're all doing kind of the same drugs and it's like you know i'm diving up mushrooms over here and people mm-hmm. are you know cutting up lines over there and it's like we're all <laughs> like all right, come on over when you're ready you know yeah we're gonna coffee anybody want one you're like coffee fucking nerd all right give me give me one i guess <laughs> oh that's the
0: other thing we named our camp camp perspective and i got this tattoo representative of of the camp that was I how, it. That that's how... it was it it's great Dude, i'm a big fan of, of it thought. <laughs> it makes me happy yeah. every time I see it also I didn't realize it's like written backwards because and this was like very much conceived in the depths of that mushroom trip I was obsessed with the idea of if you could read it through my arm you would oh. it, it would read correctly so that's all that I wanted it to do and I was like oh that's fucking cool and then after I got it I got my lit my elevator in my building has a mirror and I looked at it and it reads properly in the mirror
1: and I was like and then everyone else is like, you're a fucking idiot. Obviously, that's yeah. true. <laughs> that's just backwards. That's all I'm yeah. that just every word backwards. Like, nah, but specifically this word. <laughs> My mind was blown. Right. Oh man. Um, I, love I love being on, on acid at, at um at um the killers. I was such a work sometimes. I had one hit of acid that somebody gave me in a castle in fucking Cardiff. Nice. I was just going, I didn't want to take the tour, but I was just going to look inside. You can get like all the way inside before the barrier stopped. It was like, oh cool. And then someone there was coming to my show that night and it was like, I'm like, yeah, I was like, oh, hey, man, I'm a fan of coming to your show. Actually, I'm going to try to find you later here. This is for you. Fans have always been cool with drugs. And he just gave me a little like a little tin with with a hit of acid in there. And I was like, well, that's, that's fucking magic acid. Give them to me in a castle, <laughs> um, you know, and so I had I just like took half a hit before um, before to just to mix it up from the mushrooms before the killers. Yeah. And I was like, I had this other half a hit. Colette was next to me, with fucking giant six foot ten inch woman, um, not that tall, but I was like, want a half a hit acid? She was like, No, I'm I'm good. I, I have a uh, mushrooms and everything else, you know. <laughs> me and uh, and I was like, Oh, what am I doing? Half a hit ass Like what? <laughs> fucking dork! This is the time to take acid at a, at a music festival. that's half oh, a hit? Yeah. So yeah, it was just what a fucking great concert that was. Oh, different level. I'm not even the biggest fan of the Killers, but man, they—I've seen them live twice now at festivals, and they crush. Like, oh, I can't even yeah. put it into words. I thought this got, is this, Go on. I, there was a moment I had to look it up later to show my friends that that like. Um, I, I, so I'm I'm familiar with a lot of the songs, but not in albums, not in everything. I know some people in the UK love singing along with with the Killers, and like <laughs> there's this shows in Edinburgh where they always in bru where they always end with um I guess Mr. Brightside um yeah. And everybody sings it. I'm like, I kind of mumble, but like pretending I know the words. Anyway, at some point he finishes a song, and then he just like lets the guitar kind of play, like like play out. And then he just like sits there with with a leg up, on on uh, on the uh, on the speaker, and he just waits. And then he's just like looking around, and then not doing anything. And he just does the come on, like the come on hand. And yeah. I like I don't know what he's doing. And it lasted for, it seemed like forever. And he's just going come on. And everyone's like cheering, and he's like no nah, nope. And he's just come on. And then you hear off to my right and a little forward we were like right in the middle you just hear a few people like like 10 people just go i got soul but i'm not a soldier and then it kept going more and more and then he was like yep that's what i've been waiting for like you know and then as soon as it got big enough he just started it up it was fucking epic man i love live music
0: ah oh, on acid were you getting any good uh visuals at that point
1: <laughs> yeah, the whole thing it was so many lights and stuff it was like fucking epic and then i turned i remember turning around when all the lights were up because because uh um, I had somebody on my shoulders and I just turned around to like show her. And it was, and I'm looking at because I'm pretty tall too. I'm like, fuck. It just looks like yeah. a field of stars. Oh. Dude, that's the biggest thing I miss, I think, during COVID is live music. Yeah, like, true. Putting on a show. And probably live comedy too, I imagine. Oh, no, that's the number one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my whole livelihood. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess that too. <laughs> Has it come back in London at all? Did it come and go or did it never come back? um it may have come back
0: not that i know of it's been like we were like they did this fucking stupid thing man where everything got completely locked down then they opened things up and said okay the government's gonna pay half of your cover if you go for dinner it was called eat out to help out and then so all the restaurants just got
1: full and then they locked things down again (laughs) it's the most weirdest thing ever i saw somebody rolling their eyes the state of colorado is shutting down again and it's it's a friend of mine he's real conservative and so i want to put on like political like uh, undertones of what he's saying but he's just like giving a look on Instagram like this is the look you get when everything closes down again for four to six weeks and it's almost like forget the reason like why or maybe we don't maybe he's thinking we don't have to it's it's the deaths aren't that much or maybe he's thinking like uh, I, I don't know maybe he's thinking we should the point is like it's just so fucking frustrating you just got get your shit together so we can have yeah. everything open I don't know I'm not in charge of fixing it you guys in the smart <laughs> one, just go fix it <laughs> well we can't because then we not. I don't know yeah, yeah. As soon as we open up Wisconsin, we're like, bars are open. Be cautious. And people are like, we just we just, we lost you. Bars are open. <laughs> we didn't hear that yeah. last part. <laughs> but they were as full as they've ever been. The, whatever. That's what I,
0: I do think yeah. about. Like after COVID, there's going to be some serious parties. I reckon, oh like the pent up partying that's going to come out. It's
1: going to be yeah, sick. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if this if this vaccine is as good as it seems like it would be, I don't know, ninety percent, ninety seven percent. Then it's like. Because I was thinking about music festivals and I was like, you can't, you could go just for the concert part, but I'm like, you're going to take a shitload of drugs. It's going to compromise your immune system. I got (laughs) hella sick after Glastonbury, which is, I think, (laughs) a normal experience, you know? Yeah. No sleep, lots of alcohol. You can't put yourself in that position. And then sleeping like around 50 people, like, (laughs) it's just like, I don't think (laughs) it could work. But once it can get back, man, it's going to go off. yeah I'm, fucking... <laughs> I'm excited so are they the for, for um for the next one right yeah, yeah thank God like, so it's I'm like none know. of the that's stress
0: clever. yeah that's uh oh dude I'm just worried that like Paul McCartney or Diana Ross they're not getting any younger you know <laughs> yeah
1: what if the Queen dies right before right before I, got I was gonna put a somber tone on everything I I guess I don't know
0: I mean for anyone who cares about the Queen's death i
1: mean yeah, i feel like she's like lady gaga that if you're not into her it's like <laughs> she's just some celebrity i don't know she's got nice outfits <laughs> she's great hats yeah great hat she's a hat maven for sure um <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to get back i don't know if i told you but i think i found a way in without having to get tickets Well, she will still try to find and get tickets but i think right. somebody's gonna let me like help them set up their stage which means i get there on like monday and do a bunch of like work work um which i'm fine but then maybe i'll stop in london and get everybody's. um tents and bring it with me. And then, oh. you know what I mean? And then Wednesday morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, I'll just set up eight tents and just like right we'll next to the toilet. We have, for- yeah, we, <laughs> maybe like another two <laughs> feet past it. I just remember we had like three tents set up and we we're trying to space them out to so like, this is a circle, but anyone can set up a tent anywhere. So we use this three tents, a couple of those fold out chairs and we're like yeah. perimeter, it's our perimeter. It's like, we need that spot. And then we are like, we can't just stay here all day for five hours while they're waiting to come. Yeah. It was like, hope the perimeter stands. and it did, Yeah, it twice helped. we left, and it did. It was still, there was like one
0: chair toppled over or something. I was like, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You see people eyeing it, too. Like, I see a lot of space in between those tents. I'm like, ah, get out of here. But then I think
0: it was like, th- there was enough of a perimeter paired with the fact that it was so close to the toilets. That was enough of a combination <laughs> to deter people. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It was nice. It was actually, when it, when the breeze wasn't, we were at the top of the hill. I was able to take a nap and listen to to one of the Gallagher's singing "Wonderwall." And yeah, it was just like oh, this is fucking great. Oh yeah, like perfect view
0: of the main stage. It was
1: quality, quality.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's enough derailment. I guess we can get into the <laughs> Sorry, get I'll into the meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could talk I, about I, it for literally my
1: friends afterwards. I I would like, I would talk about it. I would mention things. I would say how like. Uh, <laughs> You took my my favorites as you. So your <laughs> phone died. I've quoted this so many times. Your phone died, uh, and you just weren't checking it at all. And then, I guess Monday morning or late Sunday night. I think Monday morning. Yeah, Monday morning. You were like, "Well, let me plug it in." There was no reason to have it on. The only reason to yeah. have it on is to take pictures. I'm like, other people will take pictures. Someone around you has a camera. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and enough people were on drugs. Like, hey man, would you mind taking a picture of me, and my friend, and, and texting it to us? And people would have. You know, it, you really just didn't need it. Um. So you turned it on and it was just this flood of texts came in. It was the dead battery. Then it just all started coming in with like work emails, stuff like that. It was just this moment of like being completely free. You want to just stay at Glastonbury forever, which is <laughs> impossible. But, and then the, this device bringing you back to the real world and you just made the decision. I saw it in your eyes like, fuck this. and You just <laughs> fucking chucked that phone. And then Hells had to go up and get it. She was like, no, I will hold on to this for you.
0: It's yeah, thank moment. God she did. Oh, yeah. uh, it was all yeah. because I was supposed to leave to go get a train, and Chris said he couldn't get the trains. So then I was like, Fuck that. Uh, then I, I, as I threw my phone, I'm pretty sure I screamed, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I used that phone, I was on 2% battery, and somehow managed to find someone who was leaving in a car with a spare seat who was willing to give me a lift. And I like found them, walked across the place on like vague directions got there with 1% or 2% left and managed to find them. Wow. But that's wow. the Glastonbury way, you know? It was all meant to be, man. It works out. And if it, it was... doesn't, it works out a different way. Ah, oh, literally, oh. That's, that was the point of the perspective. If if it doesn't work out, in two hours, you'll look back and be like, thank God that didn't work out because what happened was way better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Helen had a fucking a meltdown, a literal meltdown when she had sun exposure <laughs> poisoning. And then she just kept sitting in the sun. It's like, I'll just lay here in the sun. And we, I remember looking at her, We're like, we're all like, wait should you be laying direct in the sun She was like I don't know I've got sunstroke I'm like yeah guys let's get her out of the sun I'm like anyway we got back to the place I went to do something I came back and they had made a tarp over the top of the tent like connect all the tents so now we had shade and I remember coming back like what we had a shade. It
0: was so cool oh yeah watching the it build from that perimeter into like what felt like a small town you know yeah I feel like we'll know how to do it even better next time <laughs> you're i don't know if you i you don't strike me as somebody who's read harry potter but maybe you have um but i never read it. i just and i actually just watched over the last year i just watched all of them the you know the time. way hermione has a bag that's like bigger on the inside uh-huh. <laughs> that's what i felt like your tent was like because you're such a tall man
1: and you're in this like bizarrely small tent that you would just disappear and i'm like where's he going in there <laughs> I got it in Wales. It said two person tent. I'm like, that'll do. And then when everyone set up their tent, some of them had like waiting rooms in their tents, and they popped. I'm like, what the fuck? I remember getting made fun of by some people. Like, who's this wee tent for? I'm like, me. I'm like, they oh. just laughed at my face. And I'm like, it, it works. Yeah, compact. I would have done that differently, so I wouldn't be so looked at. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, I think it was magnificent. I wouldn't change a thing. Not me either. Yeah. <laughs> so what's this about? This is about marketing. I don't understand. It's okay, yeah. So, the purpose of the podcast is helping
0: creatives early in their journey. So, like comedians, writers, painters, anyone like that, who are very early. And you know, we talked about this offline, but the the starving artist. Um, I always want to call it a metaphor, and it's not that. It's a uh, something else. What is stereotype? it? Stereotype. That's the one. Trope, um, yeah. Both good words, both better than metaphor. <laughs> um,
1: but basically, Metaphor's another good word. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um trying to help people who are like perhaps lean towards that sort of starving artist persona there's another one um mark themselves and get their works
1: they they ingrandize. that's not even a word Ingrandize the idea of being a starving artist because um the other option is to realize you're starving and not have any benefit out of it so you get to make (laughs) it cool when when i heard a story in the east village in new york where i live um somebody who's been there since like the late 70s this guy in my building uh right. he was like oh yeah man basquiat um used to be here in that park right over there and he would just he would just paint paintings for people for 10 bucks just so he could pay his rent and so you could get Fucking an original hell. basquiat for 10 bucks because he was starving and there's something like awesome to that you know but yeah. it's not really awesome to be in that it's just sort of an awesome like tale you know although i don't know i do think struggle kind of helps you become a better artist so it's kind yeah of, completely kind of a mixture
0: yeah i think i think there's also an element of like when people are specifically creative that often makes them have some level of like sort of being self-conscious around asking people for things or do you know what i mean those two sort of things go are entwined yeah. so i feel like
1: in, in stand-up it's a way you can pay your bills is is merch is uh, you know, mm-hmm. t shirts or uh, some people do like keychains or whatever. You go on the road, you're making early on, you're making 800 bucks, which is like you know, whatever, like 550 pounds between mm-hmm. 550 pounds to like 700 pounds, um, for a week, which is not plus you got to fly yourself out somewhere, it's not like a train, you got to fly, and then they'll usually get you a room to stay in or 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 in a condo somewhere that they own, but like. You can't really make that much money. Plus, with taxes, so like a way to like get some extra cash is to sell a, t- a, a t-shirt, and you can end up make mm-hmm. 10 dollars, you know, eight pounds a, a shirt extra. And so now you're having an extra two hundred pounds the weekend, and that really makes it so you can pay your rent. But it it, it feels lame. It feels sucky to sell like a chachki, to sell like a, a, a like a you know some keychain that says like a, a catchphrase from your act. It feels lame as fuck. You know, yeah. if you're going to see Van Halen or the killers at the O2 Arena, they're not out there selling it. You know, some <laughs> yeah. other guy is. Um, and so it's okay. They don't have to be there for it. But at a low level like that, you gotta be there. It seems so fucking lame. So one way that doesn't feel as lame is to sell like a CD of yours or an album of yours, but at least it's your work. Mm-hmm. But it just does kind of suck to have to figure out how to make money at a thing. So I guess you, to on that know, note, like, yeah. take us back to sort of
0: how you got started and when you maybe were in those positions and okay. maybe some of the yeah. things that
1: either didn't work or did work lessons you learned yes. that sort of so thing I, I graduated from university uni and um and, you study? Uh, i studied english and english lit and a minor in uh in like a film film analysis nice worthless <laughs> uh, like, you know, yeah pre, pre-grad <laughs> school is really all it is um so I graduated, I moved to Los Angeles. I was on the East coast in Maryland. and moved to Los Angeles to like try to become a comedian. Um, and so it was a lot of temp work. They have temp jobs there? Yeah. Temporary hires where you just like work for, yeah, you yeah. work for a service. They send you somewhere for two weeks or a day or whatever. Anywhere from data entry to like packing boxes, whatever. And in the meantime, I got a job at the comedy store. Um, oh, there's one in, in London too, but it's not related. It's Just this old, great comedy club. And they would make it a point to hire the old owner called it wannabes, like uh, who wanted to become a comic. Um, she had this sort of like sister, her name is Mitzi Shore, she died a couple years ago, three years ago, and uh, four maybe, and um, she, oh not even, two years ago. So she had this like, I guess a a way of hiring like wannabe comics so you could see the other like established comedians and learn from them, like an internship almost. And she paid paid you very little, either minimum wage or below minimum wage. I got away with it on like loopholes, but the point is you're supposed to be there to like to learn and then eventually the point is you get to be passed kind of like in the mafia if you get good enough after a while she'll be like hey you are now what they call the paid regular which means you can get paid and call in for spots the payment london pays like 200 pounds a set for those 20 minute sets the us it's it's like a dollar a minute so it was, it was 15 <laughs> bucks and i remember telling my mom she was asking me what the process was while i was working the phones at the comedy store for I think six fifty dollars an hour. She was like, so what happens? I'm like, I'll try to become paid regular. She's like, how much you get paid? I'm like, it's 15 bucks a set. And she was like, oh, Ari, you can't live on that. And I was like, no, I know that. I'm still doing temp work. <laughs> um, it's just one of an honor kind of thing. Um, but that's almost everybody's path. The ones who had family money, I remember a few of my friends had like got like a new car every two years just from their parents. They didn't work as hard. Mm-hmm. You know, they they weren't, I guess something in them wasn't like driving them to like, because like, like, what's why? Why would you if you have, if you have everything? I compare it to like you know in like school, some classes you had to study hard for, and some classes you didn't, and you could get by with like an A minus with doing like yeah. just listening in class. So like, if you could do. I don't know. If you got like an A minus, you could do 10 minutes of work and get an A plus. You'll probably do the 10 minutes of work. But if it's going to take you another six hours, you'll be like, nah, I'll just take the A minus. It's not worth the extra work. So those guys, <laughs> they had it too easy. It was the same shit. Like, why would I do the extra work? I'm, I'm living in a nice apartment, driving a nice car. It was the struggling guys who were like, I need to get out of this. This is awful. You know, I, I made <laughs> yeah. like a three-year period. I made 11 grand one year, then nine grand the next year, and then 13 grand the year after that. You know, divide by two thirds for your pounds. Um, (laughs) it it was off. I don't know how I got by. I just ate a lot of ramen and, and, and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but like, it was fun times. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but then eventually you gotta learn. you get better. You gotta learn how to market yourself in some way. So you can like make some money because those day jobs, they suck the life out of you, you know, um, every comedian I know when they make that leap to like, I'm not doing a day job anymore, their standup gets so much better. Mm Because their brain time isn't taken by dumb fucking data entry or or what the fucking VP wants you to get for lunch. You know, (laughs) it's just like all your time is just spent on your own artwork, whatever it is.
0: My VP made me get get salmon for lunch
1: today. (laughs) It's just like, well, show me the new menu. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm doing it for money, but I don't (laughs) want to help you with your lunch order. Are you a (laughs) grown-up? yeah it's weird though it's in hong kong and in um in uh, shanghai the the stand-up comedy scenes they all start once they're already there it's people that are there on some contract some like um banking world contract you know or just like teaching english or something Mm -hmm. for a few years and then they go to a show and then they go hey guys if you like that show just you know every thursday we have an open mic here you're all invited and that's how the shanghai and beijing and um a lot of the southeast asian and asian uh countries that's how they start that's how the comedy scene starts uh, there's no competition, They're not trying to get anything. They're just getting on stage. But none of them understand why in America, wh- why the idea of a starving artist exists for stand-up comedy. They're like, <laughs> we all have our banking jobs during a day. We get up at five or six, stand-up is at 8 p.m. Why don't you just work all day? And then? And, <laughs> yeah. and I can't say they're wrong. It's like, yeah, we should. <laughs> I don't know, there's no reason to be broke when you could just get a job. It doesn't interfere with time-wise it's it's i don't know it's weird and then eventually social media started and then you could like help market yourself that way and podcasts too but they're all just like ways to market it's shit you don't want to deal with emily dickinson died without having ever been published jesus i just found all her poems in her attic and then she was one of the best poets of all time i guess if you know poetry um (laughs) she was shit at marketing obviously so (laughs) she was shit at marketing yeah she lived in a fucking (laughs) attic of her parents house she was shit at marketing (laughs) I think the here's what I think the key is because it's tough because anytime you <laughs> market it does feel gross right it feels gross to be like I'm really good what you want is people just find you and be like wow that guy's yeah. really good because you know you're not a, at an A plus you know you're not at 100 percent no one is so it's tough to say like I'm amazing when you should have self doubt like coursing through your body at all times <laughs> about your artwork you know so how could you tell everybody I'm the best it, it's it's lame and it's not true but the 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 worst comics at least are the bet i would say the ones that are better at marketing are not quite as good on stage they just have that skill, and then the the best ones that are most successful get both together um and then they fly it's just it's hard it's very hard so i do podcasts i do social media i do it only so people come see my shows you know yeah um yeah people like don't you care about this i'm like not really i'll do a good podcast but like and i like it better than a bad one but like I, just, I really don't give a shit about it. It's just not my thing, you know. It's day job shit. Yeah. It's fun and creative, but it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You're a hardcore comic then, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, oh. whatever. That's what I like doing. It's all all my friends, when well, I want to do these sitcoms, I'm like, is that what you got into this? Do some fucking dumb middle of the road sitcom that you would <laughs> never watch if you weren't on it? Fuck off. You're doing it for the money. <laughs> um, you ever read The Fountainhead? I have not. You should read it. It's just it's all about art uh, and oh, how to nice. be true to it. Yeah, she gets a bad rap, but um, I think she actually covers that in the in the book. Um, okay. How it's like, you're gonna have people going like, why I think this about them? And it's just like, none of that shit matters. <laughs> the only thing that matters is you doing your own stuff your own way. Yeah, very true. When you were starting, any things that,
0: as you were sort of getting going and starting to, I guess, get some traction with marketing, was there any no. moments that something really hit and you were like, oh, gonna do that again? Or like, that really worked?
1: I mean, no, I started a podcast. And that that caught on and that was a way to get direct contact with fans to like spread the word of like i'll be in this town in this you know in this night come see me mm-hmm. which is that is that's that fell into us rather than than, than comedians making it you know it's just the world started mm-hmm. and, and, and comedians we did so much like morning radio to promote your show when you're stuck in kansas city for four days on thursday the club gets you on the morning radio station a mm-hmm. radio was dying by the time it was still Alive and kicking for another eight or nine years, and it just sucked. It was six a.m. You had to get up to go see some fucking hyena, some awful, just (laughs) so unfunny. And then like they, they, uh, they're just bad. It's annoying, and you can't curse because of dumb FCC rules. Yeah, and and we all thought like we would have fun at this if it was three in the afternoon, and it wasn't (laughs) like with all these rules. And then eventually, just podcast, and just it gave us the opportunity to do exactly that. So comedians really took to it, like early on in the podcast world and we were just able to be like way funnier than radio DJs because we're trained funny people, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's not even fair to them. So that, that launched it was, that was like a real big way to meet my fans. Like, like doing that show in, in Cardiff that, you know, the night before mm-hmm. It's was like, I had people in, I've never been to Wales, uh, but I was able to get people to, to, to want to show up. Because they were already fans of mine, and it was just like it's so interesting. I was at the Stan Comedy Club, there's another stand too, in um in New York, and some um I thought she was Japanese. Kept taking pictures with a one of those giant cameras, and I kept calling her a walking stereotype because you know <laughs> Japanese people love taking pictures. And eventually, she was like, "I'm from Vietnam," and I was like, "Oh, then I'm an asshole then." <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, why are you here the, at a comedy club? That's so weird. Like, you you barely speak English. It's interesting that you're here." And she goes, "I came to see you. I saw." uh on netflix i saw your special and i was like whoa and where <laughs> and she just told me what city in vietnam i was like i've done drugs there and, and it was just like <laughs> it's such a cool way to bring the world together it was Ho Chi Minh. that's what it was but yeah so the podcast was a big one and i remember uh, my friend uh, joe rogan was like a mentor to me for a while this guy does ufc commentary and oh he's got a podcast too and um i've heard of he him he was like you got Yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting how big he's gotten. But like, uh, he was like, You got to build a website, Ari. And I was like, "Eh, Why? I was just like poo pooing it. He was like, Because you have to. Because it's 2000, whatever it was, like seven, and you cannot have a website. Who's going to go see you? I'm like, I don't even have any dates. No one's booked me on the road. He goes, And he just kept like harassing me. He's like, You're a moron. It's the lightest (laughs) amount of work. You have to build a website. And it wasn't even about the website. It was just about the idea that like, you need to take some work and put it into getting the word out. It's not mm-hmm. just build a better mousetrap, right? They have that in marketing. It's it's build a better mousetrap and advertise the better mousetrap. And then the yeah. world will be a, a path to your door. So, yeah, like how do you get the word out? I, I, and it's it's tough. I don't know. And it's, some people spend too much time getting the word out and not enough time on the word itself. But it's some sort of balance. Yeah, I don't know. It's no answers, but it's fucking hard. I still kind of <laughs> hate it. Every time now, people, all my friends, like, have social media accounts. And I do too. And I, was, I just deleted my Twitter. And it's stuff me, you and Chris talked about where it's like, we're like, we're marketing to people and we can see what it's doing this is before that movie that movie came out um yeah the social dilemma yeah we were uh, ahead of yeah, our time yeah and you were like <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, and i remember chris struggling with it's hard where it was like he was like yeah it's a problem me trying to addict people into this thing knowing what it is mm-hmm. but still doing what i have to to addict them into it so that i can market to them and he goes we try to keep it like a moral compass about what we market them what we guide them to buy mm-hmm you know we're not going to try to buy, guide them into cigarettes like you know if it's if it's if hand sanitizer right now if you were marketing for that you're like this ain't bad yeah you should all have this you buy mine instead of theirs but it's an equal quality you don't feel bad about that i can go sort of along with your moral standings you know it's when it clashes it, it feels tougher but anyway i got to the point recently where i was like twitter's awful it's so negative it fills everyone on there with negativity and i'm like i'm doing good enough I should be on here to like market and make more money, but I'm making a living and I'm like, this is negatively impacting my life. I don't have to do it anymore. When I was trying to build my way up, I, I kind of had to be on there mm-hmm. and now I don't. So I'm just like delete this. It's, it's just, it's, it's no good. And the more, I think the more I can get away from trying to market eventually the better it is, but you gotta do that to when you can make a good living and, and then you can yeah. coast, you know, then it's a question of like, am I happy making, you know, 500 grand or I need you know, 500 million like yeah. really it's the same thing not really really but kind of it is you know so like <laughs> yeah. how much extra work will you go from going to an a minus to an a plus it's it's the same yeah. thing 500 grand is a is a nice a minus if you can yeah. get i don't know you know or 100 grand or 80 grand you know that 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 study that happiness goes up to $88,000 with money yeah and then after that it has no effect on your happiness yeah so like once you've gotten to that level i don't know just coast
0: yeah. I think so much of it is so much. The aspiration for real big money is purely just to have enough money to flex more that you have money. That's like,
1: yeah, I bought a new Maserati. It's like, but you already have yeah. a new Honda. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. All right. right. Yeah, cool. I had a nice day chilling. <laughs> i talked to some of my really rich friends and, um, and they, my friend Burton, he's like a party guy. And I'm like, do you ever think that you had more fun partying when it was just you and your fraternity when you were broke and you had to like all chip in for like, you know, a, a 24 pack of of beer and everyone, like, come on, we need another two dollars. Who's got like fifty cents? You know? And he goes, Yeah, man, I had way more fun in those days. And now that he's like rich, he needs to go to like high end restaurants and like he's got to flex with that money. And I'm like, But you've lost all this great experience. <laughs> those guys would never be in a camp with us. They would ne- <laughs> they would go to a hotel and they were coming every day and they're like, trust yeah. me, it's better. And and you'd be like, I can never it's express so to you why it's not better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, waking up in pain after 2 hours sleep to go again is the only way to do it.
1: <laughs> it's the only way to go, man. You just make friends that way. Ah, oh, whatever. But um yeah, there's there's a way to get the word out on your stuff. And and you got to do it in a certain way. I know one word that's like a really bad word is networking. It feels to me anyway, feels so <laughs> lame and phony and everything. But the ones I know who have done it really well is comedian Whitney Cummings in America. She's gotten pretty big. She's great at it. She doesn't do it in a fake manner. She's actually mm-hmm. quite friendly. And That's why you think networking's a- bad, I think, because
0: the stereotype is the sleazy networker, but actual networking is just being a friendly person,
1: I feel like. That's it. Just being a friendly person. And if, if you know that person could help you, maybe they'll be a friend too. Go try to be friends with them. And if they're an asshole, walk away. You know. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it's just try to be friends with everybody. And so what she'll do is if you and I walk into a room um, she'll be like, hey, oh, who's your friend? I'm like, this thing. Goes, oh, nice to meet you, man. And then if Dave Chappelle comes in, she goes, excuse me, you guys. I got to go talk to him because this <laughs> is more important. But I will come back when I'm done with him, and I will get back. I want to hear about your experience. Yeah, She's just a friendly person, but she knows who's going to help yeah. her butter her bread. You know, Other people do it where they're like, I'm not coming back to you because I don't give a shit about you. I, I just <laughs> yeah. need who can help me. And it's, it's lame. I, it's like... It gives us bad rap, but yeah, all it is is being friendly and knowing. Like I don't know, you don't ask people for things; you just try to get to know them. Yeah, and then down the road, maybe you can work together. Who knows? That's 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 a great way to get ahead, and it's not it doesn't pay off immediate dividends. It'll pay Mm -hmm. off like way down the road. For instance, that Joe Rogan, when we met, he was just like one of the better comics at the comedy store, but he had money, but he had no way to help me really. And we just became friends. I was a door guy. I was working in the back door, taking tickets. And we just got to talking after a while. And more and more, I actually get freaked out when anybody can help me. I'm like, I feel so phony that I actually like <laughs> yeah. usually excuse myself. Anytime I met an agent or a manager, I would just like leave because I'm like, this feels <laughs> awful. I got my agent because I was at my friend's premiere party for a show, the league, he was on the league and I was, he was there with my other friend, Steve. And he's just some big fat guy. And I thought he was Steve's like friend from the gym. So I was able to like talk to him for a while. And then later, I was like, oh, no, he's a high-level agent. And I was like, oh, well, I was already normal. So I was able to like <laughs> do it. And now he's been my agent for 15 years. Anyway, so Rogan and I, we would just talk to me. friends. We'd go out for late-night food. He'd be like, I'll trade. I got cash, and it's fine. And then like four years later, he's like, hey, my, my friend can't open this week, and he had to cancel for something. Do you want to you do it? And I was like, sweet. But that was never the point yeah. to get to know him. And then even later, he started a podcast. It became – the biggest podcast in the world <laughs> it was like oh cool i can go on the biggest podcast in the world <laughs> dozens of times and really help my career but that's not why you know if i met him now yeah. no way are we friends. No, i wouldn't be able to do it so you just be friendly with everybody and the, and your colleagues because the other you can all end up like as you go up you end up helping each other up then that guy goes up a step and he helps you up that's just the way it works so just be friendly with all your colleagues and then you know years later it'll help but you year, the years part that's a sucky perspective.
0: Yeah, I think that's like that's one of the common threads of everyone I've talked to is what, what are they saying? the the time the, that like that's that's probably one of the biggest factors and I think probably the thing that puts people off is like people just drop off after 6 months and then after a year, or
1: after 2 years because they're like well I should be famous by now. Yeah. You know. So that's so there's a I hate calling it millennial but I I still have yet to think of another word for it spoiled because it's not. I I I really hate using it that way because like it's actually most People in the millennial, whatever those years are, are actually real smart, hardworking. They understand the system that they're against because they inherited a system that doesn't work. <laughs> um, and they're yeah. like, fuck you, I'm like entering into this. You guys fucked it up for us. And i like, go to college. Like, Why? <laughs> Why would I get like, $200,000 in debt for something that doesn't help me? That doesn't make any sense. People are like, you're spoiled. They're like, no, we're not spoiled. There's, nothing, there's no reason. I'd rather go hiking with friends. But the ones that are the annoying ones, you know. So anyway, it's, it's those spoiled ones. And they go like, in stand-up, they do this where like, I've been doing comedy for four years. And for these people to hold me back, and you want to be like, dude, I was starving for 10 years. That's not, I know it seems like a long time from where you are, but like, that's not a long time. It's like yeah. saying I've been in medical school for over a year. Uh, I deserve to do surgeries. <laughs> and I, I mean, a year is a long time for learning the medicine, but it's just not enough. Yeah, that is the hardest one, the, the, the years of time. But honestly, anything you do early on, even if you feel good about some of your work, overall, it's, it's best to realize you probably suck most of it. So just keep working and getting better and enjoying the process. I had a a a comic he's ralphie may he he, when i met him he was like so supportive of everybody he used to give me like giant nugs of weed he was like go ahead like (laughs) young time it was just great but anyway he was like how long are you doing comedy I was like i think i said a year at the time he's like oh that's when it's just fun and i uh i didn't understand what he was talking about because it was like well I i'm starving i can only afford (laughs) ramen and and bread um i don't know what you're talking about but then years later i did i i understand it now like it was just like we're trying to make a joke work and when you make one work you're like oh sweet i figured something out i did a callback, i I did a misdirect and it it really was just fun there was no money behind it so it was just free and and i I think that's the point of any art form is is not to be making money off it and then the money is how you just pay your bills but like you're supposed to do it just for the love of the game but then it sure is nice to eat a steak so it's tough. <laughs> yeah yeah that's very interesting um i remember getting to the point with that guy from the league my friend steve renazisi he was um and he um we were at a yankee game and it started raining this was i don't know 10 years ago maybe and um it started raining and, and we're like oh let's buy a poncho like disposable it was a 10 dollars yankees poncho and it was a moment where we're like this is the first time i can afford this instead of just getting wet like that it was like, a, you just like take these moments. And I could already have afforded it a year or two before, but it was just like, oh, I've been to games when it starts raining. It wasn't even a, a thought in my mind that I could afford a poncho for 10 bucks, <laughs> like no way. And now it was like, yeah, easily, just get it, They're selling it <laughs> right there. Like when you're walking down the street in London and it starts raining and you see an umbrella for $5, you just buy it, you know, because you have a job. But in the old days, <laughs> like now, I'll just try to wait it out in the store. It's nicer to have money. It's more freeing. Hey, how do you get there? It's a tough one. It's a good idea for a podcast, Angus. <laughs> yeah, well, Thank you.
0: Okay. I've got, uh, I've got a few questions I want to ask when going through that 10 years, yeah. thinking of speaking to someone who's like at the outset of beginning that journey, any advice or any things that you used to stay the course and to keep going?
1: Yeah, I actually did a, I actually did a, a speech, not a speech. It was like more of a Q and a. I kind of since i was a door guy for so long at the comedy store so that lady the owner she tortured me everybody else is a door guy for like a year and then she was like "All oh, right, you're good enough pass she, she made me wait like f- four or five years it was just awful she just i got in her like sights of like i'm going to fuck with this guy <laughs> so every time i would crush during an audition she'd be like not quite yet i'm like what this fucking bitch looking back it drove me to work harder so it, mm-hmm. it was for sure I, I do it, she's probably doing it on purpose but like um <laughs> But I relate because I was that door guy, that employee at a comedy club for so long. That's that's still how I view myself as that. So at some point, I was like, I realized how fucking blind the path is. Like, I don't know how to do anything. So I just did a and a at the comedy store. I put up some flyers. I was like, anybody wants to ask any questions? I am now a you know 12-year comic, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is all for like the one to five-year comedians. I know you're like, what should I? And, and there's no one to ask. So I was like, I'll be there. Let's just talk. And one of the kids w- recorded it. And so he put it up. So it ended up being like four hours of just a Q and A of like, how do you get an agent? I'm like, well, you don't really need one yet. You're terrible because they can't do anything for you. And they're like, well, it's like, and trying to like, in real terms, like, coach them how to do it. So mm-hmm. I would say for anybody starting, it's one, get up as much as you can, get up on stage as much as you can, mm-hmm. do the thing you're doing, instead of worrying about selling it. Or some guys are like, what if somebody steals a joke? Like, your joke sucks. I've never seen it. Just trust <laughs> me, it sucks. In ten years, you're gonna be embarrassed about that joke you're making. Just get up as much as you can, or do as many paintings as you can, or sculptures as you can, and figure out the mistakes you're going, or, or HTML coding, or whatever it is. You know, yeah. just do it, figure out the mistakes, for fun when it doesn't matter, and then you'll just get your technique down. And then you can decide which way to apply your technique. Well, I went to the, uh, one of the Dali museums in uh, St. Pete, Florida. There's another mm-hmm. one, there's a few different ones. But like, um, they do this one chronologically. And his early work, Oh, i think i went in the wrong way like you go in, you go either go left or right and i went <laughs> yeah. right i didn't realize and so i saw all this amazing piece and it got more and more devolved as it went because it was going earlier and it's and mm-hmm. by the end where he was just an art student it was just a still life of of some fruit like anybody would do you know yeah but he had to get that shit down in order to get the fucking 3d stuff he was doing or or the you know all the crazy like where he got to that surrealist whatever it is but like he had to get his technique down he can't jump straight to that and once yeah. he gets technique down he can decide do i want to go surrealist or do i want to go I, I don't know what the any of the terms but like you know what i mean like you can decide <laughs> yeah, how yeah. you want to go yeah you learn how to play and then you decide what your game is so it's that more than anything like get up on stage get a paintbrush just keep doing it you can worry about money but like it's not nearly as important as getting up on stage and and for mm-hmm. stand-up comedians i would say do bad rooms as long as somebody's a little bit listening it just makes you work harder you ever lift weights angus occasionally yeah so you at least know i me too but like when someone's spotting you as you're bench pressing yeah if you have two really strong guys lifting it all like you'll do a lot more reps but like you're not actually getting any work you know but yeah. if you have a guy just with two fingers just barely helping you that's the equivalent of a bad room it's it's way harder and you'll get yeah, stronger okay. That's the secret of comedy, doing bad rooms. So the problem is when you get too, too much success too early, you end up getting invited to really good rooms. And all these people that have this amazing potential get ruined by success. I've seen it so many times. A Little bit of early success, that everyone's like, you're great, you have this potential, I'll put you in this, I'll put you in that, I'll put you in that. And then they go, well, why work hard? I'm doing fun rooms, I'm doing pretty good. And it's like, they just never developed the backbone to learn yeah. how to work their way out of a bomb, or, or to, I, I don't know. So number one, get up on stage and then hang out with comedians see what they're saying about their technique and their what the troubles they're getting through and like you end up learning together you know mm-hmm. i took a jiu-jitsu class for a couple of years and um nice. yeah I, I got injured a lot and got a bunch of ringworm and staph infections <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it best, but it was fun that's the stuff but, that's um, the
0: side of they don't tell you about it <laughs> they
1: never timeless. tell you about staph infections <laughs> i ringworm like what's dude i was i was playing pool with rogan and i was like uh and it was his class he was in the class too we both had the same teacher and i, I was like limping he's like why are you limping i was like i got some spider bite he goes you're limping from a spider bite i was like yeah i don't know it's right on my knee and he was like uh i'm like why? Well, he goes show me the spider bite and i did he goes oh you've got a horrible staph infection how long have you had that spider bite i'm like like a week or two he goes dude that's gonna get infected you gotta go to the hospital let's go right now there's not like make an appointment that's bad <laughs> like anyway um <laughs> so you end up like switching up for all the drills, you just switch partners over and over and over again. Mm. And so I'm a white belt and I would get paired up with black belts and I would be, I felt bad. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you any real work, you know, being with somebody so bad. And they were all, pretty much all of them go like, no, 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 it actually helps me to remember the fundamentals. So if I can tell you, you have to like lock your legs this way, it reminds me like I was probably skating on strength. Yeah. But, like if you talk to your fellow comedians, I don't know, they're gonna remind you of a of a technique or, or a way to get something, it'll just spark, conversation that helps you both get better. Mm-hmm. you know, So I guess I would say that to them. In my field. I don't know,
0: yeah, love it. I, that's I think the point about like the progress, the daily thing is so so true in the like seven months or whatever that I've decided I'm a painter. I recently took down some, that's one of the benefits of being a painter is you can decorate all your walls for for with your own art. But I took yeah. down some of the old ones and put up new ones. And then I walked into the room once and I was like, oh, that looks like, that actually looks like a real painting. Like I was like, I'm, I'm getting somewhere.
1: Yeah. But at um, the time, the first one, you felt like it was fucking Yeah, serious, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. exactly. All the lines going, it's awesome. There's no part of the canvas showing. Yeah, and then you're like. <laughs> and it's okay, You that was fine for where you were yeah and, and then and then it's good to know like where you are now you'll probably in a year look back oh. on it. i was still shit i yeah. thought I was so much but it was still like you know you go from a, a a one to a to an 11 and then from 11 to a 30 and you're like i'm the best I'm like that's 30 out of 100 you're yeah. not even- i heard robert redford say this once like 30 years into, into acting and he goes i think i'm just starting to figure it out now <laughs> and he had won like academy awards nice. and Golden globes and you're like what and it's like it's just a never-ending learning process
0: yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, like you said already, the process is is falling in love with the process. I think is is a big part of the answer.
1: Yeah. So I started doing. I started. Uh, I got some good advice from Louis C.K. We we had a talk. This is before he had, I guess, right after his first like HBO show was over. Before he had the FX show, and he had done a few specials in a row, like one a year, which is pretty unheard of. And we were we were in the Montreal Comedy Fest. We were watching this this um, group, Broken Lizard. Remember them? They made some movies and they started doing like live shows they did um okay old cop movie and it was hilarious they're just a sketch group right. jay Shock or Oscar is in there and uh anyway um so we were watching I'm like oh lame then we went back to the show he was doing a guest set and i was doing it all week and uh and i mean I, I knew him from before he's always very friendly but so i was just like and now he's like really on top of the the world the, you know top five no matter how you were saying at the time so i was like hey that's crazy that you've been doing a, a a great new special a year. Like, you know, that's like unheard of because we i just like, no, like, no, nah, nah, man. It's like, it's not just a good one. It's like one after another. It's usually like four or five years in between. This is crazy. And he just like, talked me through how to do it. And he was just like, you just dump all your material when you're done. He told me the reasons why, because he had this HBO show maybe coming. So he couldn't do anything. So he goes, I may as well just concentrate on standup. So he did, but he goes, dump all your material. Because if you don't have any material, are you no longer a comedian? And I'm like, no, I'm still a comedian. He's like, right, you're still a comedian. So you'll just get new material. You'll just force yourself to get new material. You know, if you, if I took away blue from you, you would figure out a way to work around it. <laughs> yeah. You know, or you would go to the store and buy more blue. Like you wouldn't just like, <laughs> you would just, figure out it, it wouldn't just be blank right there. You know? Yeah. And so he's like, just dump it and make new stuff like all the time. And And at first I was like, yeah, you can do that because like you're a millionaire. And you like you have someone buying your new hour every year. You have HBO yeah. saying here's however many million dollars. Like I don't have that. So I just ignore the advice for a few years until I realized like I'm 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 setting myself way more on why it won't work than actually like taking the advice of one of the best in my business. I mean, even saying it out loud now is moronic for me to say, <laughs> Well, you don't know. It's like, yeah, dude, but <laughs> he does know a lot. So I just started trying to do it. Uh, I was like, all right, let me, I did an album. I was like, who cares who's, nobody's gonna buy it. And then I just dumped it all and tried to do new s- stuff. And it, it worked out. So the ended up, I, f- I fell in love with, instead of like the finished product or, or selling a special somewhere. And I've been at lucky enough to sell them for the most part, just the process. So I'm like, I have no material, I finished a special. The next day I'm like, I'm not doing any of that material anymore. Um, listen to some chick I want to fuck in the audience. And then I'm like, all right, let me make sure I get a win here, you know, besides that or some agent I want to impress. That's probably a better example. And so then it's like, but this shit doesn't go well. The new stuff isn't worked out. It doesn't go well. The stu- old stuff was killing to the point where I'm I'm ready to put this on a recording. The new stuff is awful. It has one joke, <laughs> two over five minutes and it feels terrible. But then I started to like, sometimes I would fail and I would go to the old stuff. You know, I do three minutes of new and, like, uh, and I would just like bail. And I would do something that I know worked. Now, this isn't when I'm having people pay tickets to see me. This is like an in-town spot. Like if you ever go to the comedy store in London or, 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 or Top Secret or any of those places, they're doing 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 10. You're not there to see them. You're there for the night. You're there for yeah. comedy. So if they don't do well, you're not like, what the fuck, dude? You know, I saved up. I told people about you because you didn't. So that's like a workout set. It's okay. And so if I wasn't working out in a workout set, what the fuck was I doing? And so I started looking at it more like every new bit I had is probably gonna bomb about seven times and then it'll make me tweak it and tweak it until it's better. So I stopped looking at bombing as a failure. I started looking at it as I am one seventh down towards making this a good (laughs) bit. And the failure was bailing on it and doing old stuff that already worked. So the process of getting a shitty bit to make it good was that's really in the end, that's all that mattered. And then the result is I would have an hour of material that I could try to sell to a network or someone or take on the road you know and have people pay me 20 bucks or th- whatever to, to to see it so that's mm-hmm. like the end but the the love was just the building it hitchcock said the same shit hitchcock said his most annoying part of a movie was shooting it because he worked out every camera angle every line every like how, how the set should look and he goes now i gotta actually do it and have the actor it's like this is boring i've already decided how it's gonna go yeah it's so, so fucking weird but like yeah the process if you make the process that your love then it's like they can't take anything away from you. What are they going to take away from you? Even in this time of like, wow, well, you said this. You can't. It's like I, I can still do open mics. I won't stop being a comedian. Yeah. yeah that's, that's all that matters. So I'll get a day job at Walmart. Who cares? I'll still be a comedian. You know, Emily Dickinson lived with her parents. That would be a failure. She was the one of the best in the world. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That's because she, <laughs> she was shit at marketing.
0: She <laughs> was shit at marketing. I think it's what she's most famous
1: for, really, if I think about it. Yeah, it's not uh, being discovered. You're right. Yeah, Van Gogh also. <laughs> the ear, and, and nobody knew him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he's still his ear if he fucking marked <laughs> you know,
0: If he'd listened to this
1: podcast,
0: he would still have his
1: ears. Hey, have you ever seen Century of the Self? I have not. It's a documentary. You should see it specifically because you're in that world. Um, it it's a, I think, a six-part documentary. I'm, I'm one and a half in, but it's, it's how, um, everything changed once marketing sold ideas over, um, facts. So at first it was like, this piano will last you objectively, yeah. hundred years. It's going to. They always have Steinways. And then they started showing like pictures of a man with his family around and playing the piano. And they weren't selling the quality. They were selling this idea. And so now you see people driving like freedom. It's all about doing what you want. I'm like, what is this gonna be for? And like ford or exxon or whatever like it has nothing to do with freedom but you know and would so, say so once they applied that to uh politics democracy stopped having any meaning because you weren't voting for your best interests, you were voting for what they wanted you to think was your best interests
0: oh, Uh like it's politics man this could be a whole six-hour round hole but like the fucking, they just do it's it's like kind of like the marketing stuff it's like they gather the data they figure out exactly what the data says and then they say what the data says back to them they're just parrots of what people rather than anyone who has any sort of opinion of their own
1: or yeah. backbone to like stand up for something yeah i know the data says this but i'd like to go this way yeah you know you just yeah you want some that's what the found head says it's just all about my work my way so it's like i get it you're not wrong doing it that way i prefer this angle yeah, you know whatever it is and so it's like when i started i started doing this tv show where we, a bunch of comedians just told stories called this is not happening we did it live for years and then uh, Net comedy central you guys have one there too they were like we want to shoot that and their executive was like well we've seen the best videos go two minutes or under and they get watched the most so i was like well that's great but these stories are 10 to 25 minutes and like well you know two minutes gets more views i'm like look that's for a, a kitten and a puppy playing <laughs> that's just not the thing. I get the data says that we're not going to be doing that, and it ended up being successful because, like, we weren't trying to chop it down, we're just like, go, go nuts. Yeah, we could go long on that, but yeah, yeah. And it's all led by our shortening attention spans, shortening attention span and just straight money. And it's not about the money, it's this capitalist idea of what success is when it's like, that's not what success is. That's yeah, not you view it, you should view it as happiness. That's where the love thing is coming from, though,
0: is where I've had enough exposure to how easily brainwashed people are. Like very easily en masse. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Oh. Sometimes sometimes the clients that I'm doing advertising for, I find myself being like, I could. <laughs> so I'm like getting tricked. But I'm getting pulled in. Tricked is definitely the wrong word to say. I'm getting like pulled in by the marketing myself as I'm doing it. Um yeah. so that's why I'm like, maybe, maybe I'll make a few people nicer.
1: Yeah right love somewhere <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> i mean the, the moving image is just so powerful it's hard to say note when you've seen something you're like i know what i saw you're like you saw something out of contact you see like a little girl crying like my daddy. They took my daddy you're like what the fuck and then you found out no her dad was a serial rapist they took him to prison <laughs> and you're like oh i didn't get that part i was ready to like yeah. protest context is key um, we've talked a bit about the podcast
0: and obviously yeah. i'm starting a podcast well i've actually started a podcast now and um, here we are
1: have you, have you done huh? any that has it come out yet? Are you? Just I
0: have. Off? It's. Uh, we're on. What I think episode six is coming yeah. out this week, maybe. Cool. And how are people taken to it? I had the it's I had a warm reception, mostly from yeah. from people I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's That's only awesome. uh, but like my whole plan is, I'm very much in the long term mindset, and I'm like, I don't care what I like. I don't care how many downloads or any that shit it Like in three years time ask me or in five years time ask me and then i'll i'll care but yeah it's gotten like i actually launched i found out this like ways to hack the itunes charts and it's like if you double your downloads day over day when you launch and then i ended up launching it to number six in the uk marketing podcast charts and then right. i f- was watching a show watching some youtube video about how to market podcasts like a few days later and it was with this guy who was who had the podcast that i was one above and it got like 1.1 million downloads a month or something and i was like "Fuck yeah it's <laughs> it subsequently crashed out of the charts but the fact that i spiked it in there is pretty exciting yeah
1: it's weird to work the system those are the things you can do like sure why not why not do it at some point chelsea peretti this comedian here she had the number one podcast comedy podcast in America. Mm. And she had put out zero episodes. She just <laughs> announced it. And it was said the algorithm was like how many new like ratings and comments did you get versus yeah. how many you had the week before. So it was infinitely more like three weeks in a row. And so she, she was just like uh, uh, she just launched it but didn't put anything yeah. out. It's like let me just put it out. Oh it was hilarious. I'm like, oh these ratings mean nothing. No <laughs> one's looking
0: <laughs> Yeah so on paper it's going fucking amazing i'm out it's, ranking uh, podcast
1: <laughs> yeah if you're having a good time then that then, it, then that's it yeah.
0: yeah and also it's like i'm learning shit with everyone like getting different like interesting it's fucking yeah so uh, for that alone it's great and then for yeah. the fact that other people are enjoying it too it's even
1: better so one of the things i like about my podcast is just like i'm actually trying to have a good conversation like understand like after was like that was really interesting i'm glad i talked to him yeah and then, oh, that's part of the benefit
0: Oh, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I love your one of my favorite thing about your podcast, I think, is the uh how, how how raw, shall we say it is? Like you um you'll just like spend two minutes being like looking for something and like just leave the microphone down on the floor and go for a walk <laughs> and shit. It's it's like shambolic in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like a little bit that's too much sometimes, but sometimes like lack of producing just makes it feel like you're in the backseat, like listening. I think it's quality. <laughs> Thank you. Um gotta get back to Glastonbury. We gotta what are the odds it happens? This, oh sorry, go ahead. Let's get back.
0: Everyone's I'm I'm firmly believing that it's not gonna happen because other people have started to believe, and I'm like, shut the fuck up, it's definitely not because if it's a happy surprise that it does, fair right. enough, but
1: right. you'll make if, time for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just gonna act as if it's not and it'd be a happy surprise if it does. Yeah. Two vaccines now though, it could. Be what? Yeah.
1: There's two vaccines now that they've announced in the last few days, so. <laughs> get them both. I heard the makers of the vaccine was like, it's probably next winter until it gets to normal. And immediately I was like, fuck, Glastonbury's before next winter. Fuck. When it does happen, like I said, that
0: pent-up partying, when it does happen, it is going to be transcendent.
1: <laughs> uh, if any of the fucking, like if any of the members of of, of uh, Fleetwood Mac die, you say like Mick Jagger be like, I'll play their role. Like, it's, it's just <laughs> everybody's just going to be in the best mood and they're just going to go for it yeah 100 percent. and it could end up with better acts
0: as a result they could get even more people you know so it will people be like i've been wanting to do that for a while um but on the podcast front any sort of insight as to how you've built that how you how you've grown it anything that works doesn't work Uh, in terms of marketing that.
1: best way to do it is to start one uh eight years ago um when there were only like 30 out <laughs> okay i'll just write that down <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got pretty lucky that way i was in like what i call the second wave a couple years after the first wave and and i remember even then though people were like why do it it's already so many are already out there and i remember going like during the third wave people were saying that to me they're like yeah but it's like you're already in now to launch it's impossible i'm like all right but imagine saying that in like the seventh year of tv you were like, <laughs> yeah, why do a show there are so many shows <laughs> it's like you would uh, you'd be missing out just do it. Getting like, don't bend over backwards to do this, but like morally, but like like getting people that are already big in that world into your own algorithm, whatever they say, will help you. You know, it'll get, I can already tell you, I don't know who else you've had. This will have more downloads than other ones, just because in the podcast world, you have people searching my name for, for podcasts, mm-hmm. the ones I've been on, versus like vice versa, not that many people are would be searching for you in my podcast, but they would still <laughs> listen just, you know, uh, if I had Barack Obama on, it would get, <laughs> yeah, more, more listens. Now, if I hated him, if I thought I was a war criminal, um, as some people do, morally, I, I shouldn't have him on. You know, I wouldn't have Boris Johnson on unless I wanted to hold him to the, to the fire or really ask what it's like to be a prime minister. That's probably what I would have him on if I if I did. Like, so what's your day to day? Can you take a dump? <laughs> you, like, you know, shit like that. But but if I can get away with it morally, then it's like, why not have somebody big big on? Yeah. Um, but then also don't only have big names because then if you get this core group of followers or of listeners, they're gonna be bored. My best podcasts are almost always with people that no one's ever heard of. They're more raw. They 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 they're not like on autopilot because they've been asked this a thousand times. And the in the same thing, the best interviews I get out of people that are well known is when I ask them about something that they're not known for, um, mm-hmm. like. I, I don't know if I had Chris Pratt on. I'm making this details up, but if I had Chris Pratt on, and I'm sure he's been asked about the Avengers and all that shit, and and and, and all the movies and stuff. But if I'm like, hey, you were a high school wrestler, right? Like, how did you do weight cuts? Something like that. That's not his story. He, yeah. Hell, <laughs> if he, it was, he'd be like, oh, dude, weight cuts were so hard. It was the, one of the most. Diff- they would open up because they're not used to talking. About yeah. It. So get talk to people about stuff that they love talking about. And that you're interested in hearing about and then that helps but the big names help and then i don't know just kind of like love what you're talking about a little bit and never use never never use uh this in a, in a in a um interview never go what's such and such like it's so broad you'll never get anything good out of it <laughs> so like if somebody goes what's glastonbury like it, it's almost like freezes you because it's like i don't know where to begin if you go like what was the food like at glastonbury You'd be like, oh actually quite good man there's tons of fucking carts and different stuff you can get vegetarian you can get like a lot and you can go into that for a while mm-hmm. was your who who really killed it music wise like oh lizzo was awesome and so and so is awesome instead of just like what's the music like you're know, like i don't know the best bands in the world play <laughs> you know yeah. then give it doesn't the same as, as something very specific mm-hmm. i don't know i'm trying to think what other advice to give in podcast worlds but always having fun i guess i, I don't know yeah sometimes yeah, say I- do it consistently yeah. Um, I
0: th- I think that probably definitely does help
1: <laughs> but they know every week or every day or something like they're gonna come and this mm-hmm. will be something to help their commute yeah when Joe Rogan started doing um two and three a week I was like yeah this is stupid like no one can even listen to this or so three hours each listening <laughs> to their commute you know one podcast last last three days of their commute like it worked <laughs> like it worked just the, they just keep hitting them with content it's, it's yeah why not yeah true I feel like that that way you get some that appeal to some
0: people and some that appeal to other people. That sort of thing. So it's like cast oh, a yeah. wider net, I guess.
1: I see people all the time where they, with with They're like, I ignore the MMA people. And I only listen to the scientists, or mm-hmm. I, I the scientists. I only listen to the comedians, or like whatever. There's yeah. plenty to choose from. And then you take a chance on someone else. I don't listen to podcasts much, but every once in a while, someone will have someone on. I'm like whoa, like some like Liz Fair. I used to be so into in college this this musician. And then mm-hmm. someone had them on that like normally wouldn't. And I, I I listened to that one just because I was so into it. But I, I, I don't really know. I think it's just have fun. Yeah, that's the most important bit. Yeah, you don't want to turn it into a job. And also, I guess get your sound quality good enough. Um, you can use any any like a Zoom, whatever you're using. Um, this thing. <laughs> You've just cut out. The irony. <laughs> There we go. Boom. Fuck! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the irony <laughs> is exactly right. Hold on, I gotta change it now. Where is uh, settings? <laughs> what timing?
0: Make sure the audio is quality. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah. But any any audio? There, it's back. Right. I've just learned it about YouTube videos. Yeah. Will help you too. They helped me when I was starting out How to get your sound like higher and. Mm-hmm. i didn't know what the fuck i'm doing it's just i got i got a zoom h4 uh, at the time it's just plug a speaker and i mean a, a sennheiser or a Shure microphone with with mogami cords in there and then like you're pretty much good i think now you can do them on your phone if you get something to plug into mm-hmm. and also I, I wouldn't worry that much about the best end quality sound just get it like this is quite clear yeah. you know you could probably spend tons more money to get it even better but like yeah
0: i've had a i've had a couple of episodes that have been slightly shit quality sound from the other end because it's like not everyone has a podcasting microphone ready to go like you do um yeah and it's like
1: headphones oh dude april and may so as soon as like it we realized like hey in new york before la la almost never shut down podcast wise but um we were like, hey, we can't really meet each other in studios anymore or even in, in the park or anything. Like, we can't meet up. We're supposed to stay in our apartments and you live across town. Like, you know, like it's just not going to happen. If you live in Kings Cross and someone else lives in Shoreditch, it's like, we're not taking the subway either. So it's too long a walk. Yeah. How was that for, for regional geography? Does that, does that work? <laughs> it's, walkable. it's walkable. It's
0: walkable. Hammersmith and Shoreditch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Feel <laughs> Like it actually doesn't work because I'm right next to that. Yeah, it's I was like, like I was like, I live near Shoreditch. So I was
0: like, I definitely walked King's Cross. Uh, I really, I really respect the effort though a lot. Yeah.
1: Actually, I remember you now I got an Airbnb once in King's Cross. I'm like, it's right by Shoreditch. I can just walk there. <laughs> I like hanging out there, I like, can't afford it. Um all right. Um but anyway, it shut down. We we're all like, oh shit, we gotta do these like what we're doing right now. We gotta do these like Zoom or apple Podcasts or webex or whatever and i lost a couple big ones because people were like using their laptop speakers just opening up which sounds fine on your end you're just talking into it but it's just like it's gonna make everyone so frustrated listening to it that you're like i've had to just drop a few it's just the worst thing like you do a two-hour great conversation and you're like i gotta bury it it's gonna bother the fuck out of people you know
0: okay. now you're making me think i should bury two of the next canned episodes that i have
1: <laughs> it depends how bad it is if it's like a, if it's okay i hit, my thing is if it's if it's got a static throughout the whole thing that's way better than sometimes you're talking like this when you can hear yeah yeah, yeah and then it keeps like doing that and goes in and out talking on these things fucking are annoying because you miss the first like syllable over and over mm-hmm. again but a little bit of static or like hear birds chirping or some shit that you can like get used to like if yeah. you see staticky tv if it's the same level of stuff you just like after you know After ten minutes.
0: uh, You just made me think that your microphone isn't working because when you were doing that it was because when you were doing that it was still just sounding the same.
1: Oh really? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely (laughs) not. Maybe it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, all right. Can you hear me? Yeah, sounds fine. (laughs) Hold on, one more time. Settings. Yep, I fucked it up. That's funny.
0: perfect (laughs) a perfect example of what not to do um,
1: get your sound quality
0: good and then i don't know decent so you touched on start of lockdown i think i this correct me if i'm wrong but i've noticed i feel like you've stepped your content production game up since that point like launching youtube and stuff
1: well i was trying to my i tried to launch youtube really march 1st i got like i signed a lease on a studio march Mm -hmm. 1st what better time Nothing would stop me. March 1st, yeah. 2020, the world is our oyster. I don't know, some shit's going on in China, but it goes on every year in China, right? <sighs> yeah, so the YouTube was already going to lo- but then it was like I had nothing to do. So it's just like I couldn't get up on stage for from, from March 15th to, to, to middle of June. I didn't get on stage once. And just for context, I'm used to getting on stage 20 times a week, you know, like mm-hmm. like pretty much five nights a week, two to five times a night. You didn't come see me in Glastonbury, did you? I did. <sighs> sorry that was the worst environment that's why i'm working so hard to not have to do a show to pay for that yeah yeah it's so fucking bad but anyway whatever (laughs) now all the shows are outdoor shows and it went from like i would never do one of those to that's all we got Mm uh you know it's like in the holocaust you're like hey we got bread who cares if we don't have butter? It's bread. We didn't have bread yesterday. Um,
0: I w- I enjoyed the show, by the way. It was, uh, but yeah. I can imagine that being on that stage wasn't necessarily fun because like eighty percent of the people in the crowd were like hiding from the festival, having a sleep, or yeah. too drunk to move. I'm just there for the like, shade yeah exactly yeah. Like, i'm well, in what, a k-hole <laughs> yeah yeah
1: exactly i had more fun than one i think the one you saw than the first one with rachel and uh i was just like oh i wish you guys had not seen that <laughs> um because i could tell also rachel like that was good nice attempt and like i'm a i'm a professional comedian you don't know that i'm quite good ah oh, you think i'm terrible <laughs> um yeah so yeah there was nothing to do no creative outlets so I was just like, I don't know. I go do more podcasts and and videos and try to like, I, I don't know, do, do stupid fucking yoga. All my friends are like, what is it, like a sketch? I'm like, no, no, I'm teaching yoga. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I know some of the moves. I'm just making jokes while I do it. And then other podcasts, I don't know. It's just like you need some, you need an outlet. So it, it got taken away from me. So you get, it just naturally, a body like makes up for it. Yeah. You know, like a, like a what are those chambers you sit in that in like room temperature water?
0: Uh flow tank.
1: Flow tank, yeah. So the point is like you have no stimuli coming in. Yeah. And so your body like, well, I'll just make some stimulus. Yeah. So all the comedians, we all sort of, it was nice. We all sort of shared information like, hey, these aren't working, like doing them over, like what, what's going on? And a few of the producers were like, okay, you need a Motu or you need this device because your laptop, unless it was made in 2019 or later, it, it favors, you know, like you lean back and suddenly your laptop's like, I don't know, I'll just take all, like ambient sound. I don't know that you're yeah. leaning back to concentrate on you. You hold a microphone, you hold it with you you know. Yeah. And so we all just start trading information like you got to buy this, you want to be a guest on a podcast, you have to get this or you can't be a guest on a and so people just start doing it, sharing with each other and yeah, then okay. yeah, we just start we just kind of kept doing it. It was nice. Nice.
0: You Anything know. that's worked particularly well for you on YouTube, do you think or or
1: or indeed hasn't? Yeah, those um those yoga stuff has not taken off. <laughs> um but <laughs> I figure I'll just keep doing it. When I have my friends on, my comedian friends, they they get a lot more views. Mm-hmm. Um but i'm trying to think what hasn't taken off yeah it's not the growth on it hasn't been quite what i thought it would be numbers wise mm-hmm. but it's just like a bonus to like the audio podcast that i had before because it was yeah. like only audio and i'm like well what's the point but the, the point became more and more evident like to do youtube in the beginning it was yeah. like it doesn't matter you get five percent extra views and now it's like a lot more and it drives little clips drive people to know about you so i just hired a producer person and i'm like you worked on that i don't really want to spend my time cutting shit up so i'll just make yeah. less money and then like, do it until it makes us more money and then I can pay you more and then, I don't know, then I'll make money again, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just the outlet. There was this guy, Jim Norton, this comedian, and he was on the radio on this show called uh, Opie and Anthony. It's over now. But like, um, them and Howard Stern used to battle all the time. But they got banned from their radio station because they did one of the, uh, uh, like a a prank. I don't know, do you guys have shock jocks back in in the UK? Not in the same way, I don't think, really. so anyway, one of their pranks was they were just sending people in to have sex in different places, public places. Yeah. And they went to some old Catholic church, some like beautiful, old <laughs> like, and they fucked in there, made noise, and then people were like, you're off. the The station, the pressure was on them, and then they put pressure on them like, you're you're banned for six months. So Jim Norton, this comedian who's on there every day, he suddenly had this like vacuum of creative energy from four yeah. hours of just riffing every day to only stand up night. So he just started doing like instead of one or two spots a night, he'd do like five or six. He would just like pour himself because you you can't if you're used to it you just can't not do it during COVID mm-hmm. all the people who went work at the meatheads who were like went to the gym every day They like either <laughs> got fat or they're like let me do fucking Rocky and Russia style fucking you know pull ups and lifting up my table and putting it back down they they just figured yeah. it out they couldn't just not work out meatheads a meathead you know. <laughs> Uh I love how they lined up at the gym as soon as it was like, all right, a few people can go to the gym at a time. <laughs> and then the lines are I'm like, Why are you in a rush? It's so fucking sweaty. Run, just run around. <laughs> yeah, it's been nice, actually. The creative, the creative energy. I have I have I miss stand-up all the time. And now I'm not doing any of it because I'm fucking in South America. But like you get used to it pretty fast. I have done it before. I went for a few months to Southeast Asia, just backpacking a few years ago. And and I was surprised at how quickly I didn't miss stand-up. It was actually unsettling for me. So really i thought uh, yeah i thought i like that's who i am i'm a stand up comic that's through and through and within a week not only was i not looking for stage i mean i wasn't looking for stage time already but like i was in yangon in in in, in burma in myanmar myanmar and um there was some like it was on tuesdays they have an open mic here and i was like let me get away i'm trying to get away from it for a little bit but then within <laughs> like oh two weeks i wasn't even thinking in terms of like oh this could be a joke or that could be a joke all through glastonbury i for sure was you know it wasn't like mm-hmm. i was taking notes on everything but like it all went in. you know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily do a bit about getting offered mushrooms in a field, but I would be like, oh, linen shirts are a sign that you're a fucking hippie. <laughs> yeah, <You know? laughs> Like that sort of like, I don't know. <laughs> you can use that at some point as a side joke. Um, yeah. So you're just thinking in those terms. Pretty quickly, I stopped thinking those terms. Uh, during lockdown too, it was the same shit. So then we got back up and outdoor shows for a little while and was like you're starting to think again. Even once a week, you're starting to think in terms of stand-up. And then now for a few months, I won't be. So it's weird, but… At least this shit this it's creative and fun and you get to talk yeah, to friends sure. like I am now. So Yeah, exactly. Cool. It's good yeah. to catch up. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hang out again. I wish I could Oh man, gone. I know. I would yeah. have been a scholar this summer too. There's two times we would have hung out.
0: Yeah. We'll we'll get there. Like there's yeah. a there's many years ahead of us. I, I have That's faith that we'll thing. go on some fun adventures I, in the next few years.
1: I think so. I think we will. I think for sure we will. We got to do something like after Glastow. Just like, yeah, take another week off and let's go like hiking or something. Emily and Kalenel went to Malta to an island for a
0: week. And I was looking at them on Instagram when I was back in work. And I was like, oh, they're so smart.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Decompress in Malta. On Malta? Whatever. Yeah.
0: Dude, I was like, when I came back from Glastonbury, I was like... (laughs) <laughs> uh, my, my parents rang me and i was like hello and they were like how was it and i just started crying and, and i think they i was like it was the best week of my life and then i was like uh, also i did a lot of mushrooms for the first time and they were like are you sure they haven't still not worn off <laughs> and then I was like, maybe
1: <laughs> yeah you're like yeah maybe yeah, when you say that out loud you're almost definitely correct <laughs> now now i realize for sure you're right they are still
0: Uh, i was like i was on the just the like in like everyone there was about say six people in our 50 person office who'd been to glastonbury and everyone else in the office was like shut the fuck up because we were like oh my god it was life-changing it was unbelievable (laughs) everyone was like you're so fucking irritating
1: yeah if you're not there that's what I learned about travel. Like, if people really push you for for questions, you can talk to them. Otherwise, th- they're just never gonna see it. That in festivals. Oh, that's what I was gonna tell you. So, at some point, I was talking about you and your the, the throwing the cell phone away and, and all these different things you experience and fucking and, and Helen looking at um fuck what was Rachel's boyfriend's name Harry Harry yeah yeah and and him just fucking and she goes I want to get that <laughs> fucked up and I'm like oh all right well let me give you some more mushrooms but like um uh just like. T- telling people about it and then somebody one of my community friends like hey all right i don't know have you been to glastonbury ever <laughs> i was like all right fair enough i guess i'm talking about too much <laughs> Man, it was so much fun though yeah
0: they're just jealous they weren't there <laughs> that's it that's it the hero freedom uh, exactly um yeah. okay we're getting towards the end i've got a couple of a couple of quick hit questions
1: yeah one thing you wish you'd known starting out uh let me think as I'm thinking about, okay, so it's tough because I, I've changed what I view as a success from, from as I've gone on. Mm-hmm. I, I used to think success was like uh, getting well-known or, or 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 making money. And it's completely changed now for me for to just uh, quality of product. Uh, it helps seeing actually my parents um, with the way they view their grandkids. Uh, I mean, they love them. At some point I looked at when we had, when there was one grandkid, my sister, oldest sister had a kid. And I looked and I was the only one uh, and I went to visit home and I looked and there were 34 pictures of Ashley around, around the house. And there was one of me and it was uh, <laughs> holding Ashley. Um, and, and, um, <laughs> yeah. and, um, nice. and I realized that their version of success was not all the money they made in the house they built, but family. And mm-hmm. which was like, oh, I hadn't thought that could be a version of success. And the stand-up is like, if I had gotten on some sitcom early on or started doing movies and like. I mean, I look at a lot of their stand-up and it's like, it's awful. And, and, and the hardcore standups, we, we don't even look down on them. We, we pity them, you know, cause at, at, Bukowski used to say this, where the other poets would like, oh, you're poor. And he's like, you know, you don't have my balls. You know, you're jealous <laughs> of me. And they, and they wish I would die. Um, because <laughs> then he would go away and not make them feel bad about themselves. Even though they're driving, you know, BMWs and, and Bentleys and living in mansions. They're like, fucking that Bukowski guy's the real deal. So. I just pity those guys who had, like, a real chance and didn't. So if I got some massive success early on, I kind of wouldn't be as free as I am and and able to go to Glastonbury and fucking South America Mm -hmm. and just pull up and do whatever I want. So whatever I say, if I wish I knew. A lot of that, my first thought is, like, oh, how would I get bigger? But that's not it. I I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, what I would have done. I guess my point is I'm really quite happy with where I am right now. (laughs) But, like, I I would say that. I I wish I worked in the middle years, a little more on, on, on driving the name, mm-hmm. um, getting the name bigger. Once I was 10 years in, instead of waiting until I was like 15 years in, it really like kind of push. I wish in those years, I would like, all right, time to step on the gas promotion wise or, or learn how to, a way. Cause I've seen some of my friends do that's where they do promotion and content or, or they've managed to, to meld them. Mm-hmm. Like if you just put up a tweet saying I'll be in Manchester and Cardiff on this day and, and, and Birmingham on this day and London on this day, that's not fun. You know no one reading that is fun. Now, if you live in London, you're like, oh, cool, a comedian I like mm-hmm. is coming to London, let's get tickets. It does its job, but like if you throw a joke in there, then it's it's content. Yeah. So even if you're not, even if you live in fucking, you know, Denmark, you're still like, that was a funny post. I got yeah. some enjoyment out of it. So if you can mold those two, meld, I don't of the word, um, then you've you're expressing yourself while doing promotion, which I've seen a few comics do, and it's like that's great. So maybe work on that, maybe. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> we graffiti artists, some... put up great shit for free it doesn't make him any money but it gives him some name you know yeah um sex pistols playing fucking god save the queen on a fucking boat on the thames a- across from fucking where- whatever you know it's like yeah. that cost them money didn't but in the long run it mean like oh these guys are fucking cool yeah you know and and they put on a good show during it at the fucking Beatles playing on the roof. You know, it's like content and promotion together. It's it's like I don't know, if you can do that then then that's then it doesn't even feel like work or like you're selling yeah. out. I guess I would yeah, tell myself that's... that now. And not yeah.
0: back then. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's uh. That's why I'm aspiring for this art career because I feel like that and I just don't have to work anymore.
1: <laughs> It'd be the best, man. It would be the yeah. best. And then there's no job. The, the job is a little bit like, so I, I dated an artist once and, and it was like, she had a gallery show and there was a prospective buyer there and, and then the gallerist was like, hey, come meet this prospective buyer. And so she did and they are like, so what went into your artwork? And she had, she told them and stuff like that. And then afterwards was like, how was that? She goes, I hate that part. It's talking to two rich people about yeah. my art it, i don't mind talking about my art but i don't i don't never talk to those people they're lame i hung out with drug addicts and those are fucking it's a doctor <laughs> and a doctor's wife you know yeah. like i'm glad they have a taste in art but like that's not what i want to do so yeah but it's like if you can make them work that small amount of it just like one five minute conversation per yeah, gallery yeah. show done totally yeah you know picking up the art and moving it into the truck or, or <laughs> yeah i'll do that you know that's a worthwhile sacrifice yeah, if I got to go to the fucking camera store and get a new microphone, it's like, fine. I'm not going to complain. Next one's best advice you've ever been given. Um,
0: ooh. Or maybe a good piece of advice. This is a, a question I'm asking yeah. mechanics. Best is
1: yeah, yeah. the worst. Best is you yeah, yeah. thinking, like, like, tell me some good advice you've got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, What's Glastonbury that, that, like? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that thing of have fun, I, I didn't quite understand it until way later and a lot of older comics told me that have fun and it's like if you're not having fun it, it kind of comes through be yourself mm-hmm. that kind of shit. it's like it's hard to even wrap your head around until later it's almost like don't stick your finger in a, in a socket but like you don't fully believe it until like hopefully you see somebody get shocked or you get shocked yourself <laughs> um, but like you're gonna have to learn from your mistakes the best advice really was do bad rooms to get up on stage like no there was this guy jordy fox who quit comedy he was like the best of the door guys when I was a starting door guy. I eventually started to work at like MySpace and Comedy Central. And now we like pity him. He's a former comedian. And he he feels terrible about it. He's made a nice life for himself and a family, but like you can tell part of him was like, fuck. Um I was getting up like once or twice a week, every week, three times a week, and he goes, Oh, that's not even close, man. You gotta, you gotta get up like five times at least or more. And I was like, What? That's so much. He's like, Yeah, you have to. And I was like, How? And he kind of showed me like Here's the back of the, the free uh, Reader's Digest that was just available, the LA Weekly at the time, or the Orange County Weekly. They probably have free newspapers in London, too. And the back of those was all the yeah. open mics, the bars and the cafes they're at. And he goes, Go to any of those, be there 30 minutes early, talk to other comics, tell them. And so then it got me in a groove of like, even in LA, where people didn't get up as much, I was getting up eight times a week, but most people were getting up once or twice. And it was just like, The, the more you work, the better you get anything. You know, there's there's, there's yeah. almost nothing that doesn't work that way. <laughs> Um, until diminishing returns, but that's not the issue for most people. Um, yeah, yeah almost it was like, what if I like, get there and then pull back? But, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was huge. Get up as much as you can. That really changed the course of everything. And then Mark Maron, I, I, I did his podcast or I, I asked him about podcast once. He was like first wave for sure. And, uh, he was like, come over, I'll walk you through it. And then he's like, told me what equipment to buy. It wasn't as much advice as I guess, help wanted equipment to buy and like he even went on amazon with me and was like here this one is good it's on sale right now let's just get it let's get it and then he's like put your account you know and then he was just like help me get started by like just doing it um that was what helped me more than advice was people pushing like do it do it now do it just do it you know uh just pushing rather than like yeah telling you something you don't know those really helped me bobby lee this comedian he was like told me about bombing and how important it was he said uh that you're not. No one's a real comic until you bombed a hundred times, which seemed like what? And then I started keeping a chart. This was like six months into comedy, so I already had probably a hundred bombs. But like, I started from <laughs> then on, and it got like, and I just marked them down every year. I made a graph, and uh, for a hundred boxes, and every time I did one, I wrote down where it was. And the first year was like fifteen or twenty. The second year was like ten to fifteen. The third year was like eight. Then then it got like harder and harder because I knew how to like pull out of a bomb. I knew how to like. Yeah, pander or like have savers or jokes I could pull out of, and then I got like less and less. I think the last one was actually in London at some fucking um, yeah some like Christmas party for for public workers, and it was fucking terrible. It was awful. How did they you end of, up there? I don't know. I was looking for like any gigs in town. I think Avalon was like, oh, we can find you this, and I was like, oh, cool, sweet. I just remember like getting the cold sweats and like even this was like 15 years into comedy. I'm making a living. I'm not worried about money anymore, and, and it's like walking away from there in the in the misty london kind of rain and i was like is it too late to shift career like what else could i do i could go to law <laughs> school i like i'm clearly not cut out for stand up it, it bombing sucks but that it's supposed to suck that bad to make it better mm-hmm. it's supposed to make you never want to do that again so what do i have to yeah. do either quit or or not be bad so yeah, bomb a shitload. That was that was a good that was good advice. Don't try to, but man. Oh, it's just even like Yeah, it oh, doesn't count if it's a purposeful bomb. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, those are two really good advice things. Nice. Bomb a lot, do bad rooms, get up
0: a lot. Okay, I've got two more questions. Starting at if you were starting out at zero day one today, how would you go about sort of what would be the playbook you'd follow to sort of build a brand or you know, begin okay. game out there? I,
1: I would not I moved to L.A. and then started comedy in Los Angeles, which w- was a mistake. It's a, it's a very disheartening, um, un, unhelpful w- place to be a brand-new comedian. Um, mm-hmm. The rooms were be- beyond awful, and it failed a lot of people. Uh, Mi- University of Michigan has an engineering department that's, that's really high level, and they fail mm-hmm. out, I think, 60% of the people the first year. And then the second and third year, I think it's a three-year program, are far easier. But they want to get rid of the people who aren't going to hack it. And mm-hmm. L.A. stand-up at the open mic level did that. And it probably got rid of some people who would have been all-time greats. It was just so disheartening. You perform for six people, all comedians, four of whom are not paying attention. One is looking at you, one is sleeping. It's just like, it's awful. It's awful. Um, I would have started in another city. And then eventually, after two, three years, then moved to one of the big comedy towns. Shanghai is a great place to start. Kansas City is a place to start. Probably Birmingham or Manchester is a way better place to start than London. I don't know for sure, but it's just like at open mic levels. It's just because also you have some of the best comics in the world. So if you're just a person going to a to a bar show, you're like, you guys suck, and you're not wrong. Jimmy Carr played across <laughs> town yesterday, and now who the <laughs> fuck are you? You can't even get your words out right, you know. But like, but like in some small in Kent, you're probably. You know, your fourth time on, you're probably the best they've ever seen. Um, you know, so it's Shadow like Kent. Shadow Kent. How's that for geography? I don't know. Um, I have no idea where Kent is. Yeah, it, it works. So yeah, I would do that. I would start somewhere small and then move to a bigger town. It worked out for me, but just luckily. And then I guess I would not try to get too successful on a podcast too early that's a tough one because like how could you not have a podcast these days maybe you should do one for a few years just to get the hang of that so you're better at it when you do your next podcast yeah maybe it's that i would say don't put yourself on i don't it's such a different environment now there's so much there's so much call out culture Mm -hmm. almost like getting bigger and having a having a backlog of of you figuring it out with like racial or 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 or, or gender-based anything where you're like if you cross the line even if the line moves years later over where you were you yeah. might be fucked and you weren't getting it out right because you're a new comic so it's like i I, w- I don't know i guess maybe i would say delete stuff in your back back catalog <laughs> like consistently just take it out and delete it completely it's just like going over old you ever do the old tweets thing where you like do keyword searches i've i have
0: never been a tweeter
1: great it, it had its heyday <laughs> for a little bit for fun and then it became terrible but if you go this is what everyone should do if you're listening there's a way to do it go like you're at your name and something else find out the way to do it and just drop in the n-word or drop in bitch or drop in whatever in that and anyone you see like oh fuck delete 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 before someone else finds it (laughs) I I don't know what you were thinking fucking six years ago eight years ago I'm sure you were thinking you were in a funny place it's not gonna be taken in that context get rid of all those yeah (laughs) rape and any any bad word you could think of just get so yeah I would say that do podcast or whatever just but delete everything over a year old. That's not going to serve you, you know. Yeah. Very rarely will you see somebody go like, "I found your podcast from four years ago. It was great." That'll happen, <laughs> but way more often, like, "Look at this motherfucker from four years ago." It, it, <laughs> it's just going to hurt you way more, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do you know Abraham Lincoln had no black employees? And you're like, "Well, yeah. I mean, he freed the slaves. <laughs> Why he wouldn't have? Like, fuck him." It's just it's you know out of context. It's not going to go well. Yeah. Um, Julius Caesar never hired a woman, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, just like, yeah. any good. So uh, yeah, that, I, I guess just, just go for it. There's no, don't worry about, I would say, don't worry about the failures. Cause I was like, it took me a year to start a podcast. Cause I was like, well, what am I going to do? It's like, just fucking do it. If it doesn't work, then fine. Doesn't work. Then what have you lost an, an attempt? Yeah. Who cares? Just, just like you have plenty of time, especially as a new artist, you got tons of time just go for it. Fail. It's fine. Failure's great. Mm-hmm. I guess I would have told myself that. Learn to love failure earlier than you did. But yeah, it's not too funny. much because then you'll just be sucky and happy with it. I did see people like that, <laughs> took pride in their failure. Like, I am I guess I'm too outsider. And you're like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just suck. Just, yeah, I just suck. I'm too, I'm too edgy for you. That's what they all said. I'm like, I don't know, man. There's, that guy was way edgier than you and he killed. <laughs> you know? oh, that's funny. Yeah. Last question is a uh...
0: A question I got from Googling good questions to ask people, and it's a oh, real really? meta. It's so it's double levels of meta because it's from there, and then the question is, what question
1: should I have asked you? <laughs> oh, uh, so the podcast is about marketing yourself in in art. Mm-hmm. What would I have? That's actually a good question. A lot of times I would hope I would like have it like a half daydream of people going like, what should I have asked you? Like, you should have talked to me about this, dude. You would have loved me going off on this, but I wasn't going to offer that information myself. You would have had to get it (laughs) out of me. Um, maybe where you've seen other people go wrong without naming them. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think you had some pretty good questions. Angus. you're doing pretty good. Thank you. It wasn't like I've done bad interviews where I'm like, what, but this is not, (laughs) this is a fun one. I was interested in it. Um, yeah, maybe mistakes you've made what mistakes did you make you, those those are fun because you can like laugh at yourself if they're far enough in the yeah. past not if they're like yesterday and they still hurt <laughs> mm, i don't know what what would you wish i would ask What a good fucking question i'm gonna use that too <laughs> yes. I don't think i should have. i try to do it at the end i'm like what else is there about this subject that i that, that we didn't touch on i don't know. it doesn't always get there but um damn bro i don't know it's a good question i wish i had an answer for it what do i wish you would have asked about marketing in
0: or just in general, yeah. doesn't have to even be related to the podcast. What's a, what, it, how about this? What's a question yeah. that you wish you would get asked that you've never been asked? Is that it?
1: Oh yeah, okay. I wish people would actually like do some, just not even research, just like listen to a bit or something, and then ask me about uh, how it went, as if you would ask fucking Mark Twain about a a, a part of fucking Huck Finn, or I don't know some British writer. Um, same thing where you would like do them the honor of actually reading the book instead of yeah. going like what i get a lot is like some people got upset at you for for this bit or that bit and i'm like did you even watch it did you come to this on your own how about like watch something forget what you've heard from other people and just like ask me what you think about uh, about something i saw um inside the actor studio them asking dave chappelle about some bit where he an old bit where he was in a limo and the guy driving the limo was like hey i gotta make a stop real quick and he made a stop into the ghetto you know, the hood and, and a baby was on the corner. Just a baby by himself. He's, he's a joke. Uh, and he was looking at the baby through the, the, uh, the window of his limo. And the baby's like, what you looking at, motherfucker? Uh, and he goes, sorry. He's like, you want some crack? And he goes, no, I don't want any crack, baby. Why are you selling crack outside, baby? Anyway, so James Lipson was asking him about it. And he goes, I find it interesting that you, Dave Chappelle, in that bit, it's you in the bit, not someone else. You didn't put yourself in a car. You put yourself in a limousine. You could have been in a car as a passenger, you could have been in a taxi cab, you could have been a, in a friend's car, you could have been driving. You put yourself in a passenger of a limousine to go to the ghetto, as if you wouldn't be able to go to the ghetto on your own, you had to be led there, and then you're talking to someone from the ghetto from behind the safety of of a, of a an opulent vehicle, a limousine, it's a limousine and Bentley, those are the two most opulent. And Dave Chappelle was like, that's fucking very observant. Yes, I, I meant all that. That was a way I was doing that. I, it would have been just as funny if he said I was in a cab going there but it would have been less of a context i wish sometimes people especially when talking about stand-up or my specials if i'm like it's coming out and they're like i wish they'd be like tell me about this bit what what was the what was the uh the reason behind it or where did it come from or did you have any struggles trying to find an ending for this or like in general how did you make this work things like that where i'd be like oh we can really talk about the process I, i love those and i rarely get asked those questions nice okay yeah, you know, well, i heard uh, somebody talking about she- you know shepherd ferry you know the obey giant um heard the name he's an artist he started with uh stencils they put up of andre the giant mm-hmm. and it was just like
0: yeah 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 like,
1: Yeah. so his company is obey obey giant was the first one and just a bunch of stencils, stencils. See, i really liked them it, it was simple according to a lot of my artist friends but i don't know I, it really appealed to me and they had one like um a whole pro- um the whole campaign or whatever called this is your god and he took out a billboard in LA, and it was just a dollar bill. And instead of in God we trust, it said, This is your God. And I was like, I was like, Jesus, it was so fucking cool. And somebody in an interview asked him, was like, you're a street artist, you're a graffiti artist at, at your heart, mm-hmm. which is very anti the system, outside the system. And yet you have a giant t shirt line, there's obey giant shoes, uh, you know, a uh, uh, version of Reeboks or, or whatever. And it's like, and you sell your works, you're supposed to like, Street art is supposed to just paint shit, paint murals, you know. Maybe get paid Mm -hmm. to do it, but you you sell works in galleries, which is like against the whole idea of street art. And and you're what you're saying is fuck capitalism, really. You know, if you're Jeff Koons, he's very like pro-capitalist, and he does these grand like I don't know if you've seen his stuff. It's like um balloon balloon animals. animals. It's like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's all about gaudiness and stuff. So if he sells a piece for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, it goes with his morals. You know it goes with what he's saying gaudiness is great yeah. so it's fine but for a street for a graffiti artist to sell stuff it's like this goes against what you believe and they were like how do you rectify that it was in an attacking way and he goes oh, dude this is something i struggle with every day it's not an easy answer I, I have that trouble where's the line between making a living and putting your word out so it was a great question to a guy willing to hear it and not going fuck you what have you done you know he was actually going like yeah, yeah, yeah that's a fucking legit it, it comes from an analysis of his work. Um, like, it seems like the point is anti-capitalism. Yet you are capitalist. You're feeding into the system. How do you deal with that? You know, any questions that come from like an analysis of their work is like, I don't know. I think people always love talking about that.
0: Well, I'll take note of that and then
1: in a year's time
0: when you when you come back on the podcast i'll have a real good one of those questions for you there
1: you go okay (laughs) cool for sure yeah i mean when i talked to chris and you both about like how do you market knowing you're against the idea of what marketing is and it was like if that was recorded it would be a very interesting honest answer and a tough answer Mm -hmm. you know it's difficult and i'm sure some people in your field are like yeah i don't give a fuck about people that's how i do it um (laughs) You know, I'm sure that exists, but for the people who are more sensitive, yeah, you probably have to like, I don't know, figure out a way to do it. Yeah. I don't know what that is, you know? Become a painter. <laughs> yeah. I, there's no way to go completely off the grid. If, if your thing is like, I don't want to use too many carpets, So it's like, what are you going to do? Kill yourself. That's the only real way, you know, to not <laughs> use But it's like, you do little things so you don't bump up against your morals. But I don't know. Those are yeah. interesting questions when like, what are your morals? And then this doesn't seem to fit. Can you explain how it does or, you know? I like to be positive, but people go like, "But your stand-up is like negative." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's not trying to hurt anybody. It's it's I'm making fun of like your dumb shirt. Let's just say the purpose would be to get a laugh out of you, you know? Yeah. So it's a po- It's 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 like it looks negative, but it's it's a, it's a positive place, you know? So it's like that would be an answer I would give to like something like that. But like,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, dude. The the shortening attention span and the reduction in the level of nuance in the world is definitely not going to be your friend. I don't think because it's <laughs> like. <laughs> you're great
1: for a soundbite that can be taken way out of context. Oh, yeah and I'll keep giving it to you I'll never learn my lesson I'll keep giving it to you I'm like it's on you to have some morals and not do it but sure okay I, I've even had this misquoted but I've said something and, I'm like, and by the way let me just make this clear I'm not talking about this and this I'm only talking about this specific and they've dropped that second part off and I'm like you motherfucker. well that's not for me I don't know whatever <laughs> oh here's advice I would give to somebody young do not worry about the people that are not in the room like most of any backlash comes from people who were never going to hear of you ever in their lives. And now they're angry at you. They were never going to be ticket buyers. And so if you bend over backwards to worry about those people liking you, who gives a fuck? They were never going to come out. So be honor the people who are in your audience by giving them a great show. And if, if yeah. they go home and tell somebody one of your jokes and they're like, well, I think that's terrible. Who gives a fuck about them? They're not in the room. So worry yeah. about the people in the room and giving them a great show you know putting on a great piece of of painting and if they're like well i don't like that you don't whatever i don't like that you don't have you're too abstract like all right well i'm not for you then let me (laughs) let me bring you to some artists you might like who are less abstract than me (laughs) but don't worry about them anyway that's some advice buddy it was so nice talking to you i fucking miss you
0: yeah i miss you back Uh, it's been real i can't wait till we can hang in the real world
1: yeah the real world is like mean it's like not the real world Glastonbury. It's Glastonbury well that's true the real yeah, world. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, can do mushrooms fucking 84 straight hours
0: <laughs> I've done it I've
1: done that in the real world too yeah. <laughs> I love how hard you went right afterwards you're like oh I'm not I'm taking it with me I'm taking this whole dude vibe. you know I'm, I'm just, when we were leaving you were
0: like we were packing up our tents and everything and you were like does anyone want some weeds and I was like sure and I just thought it was weed and you gave it to me and then I got home and it was mushrooms. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah I was going
1: to Spain. They, I'm like, I'm like, this international. Who wants stuff? And you're like, okay. Was,
0: and then, so this is why I think you,
1: I have you to thank
0: for my artistic career. Because then I went home on those mushrooms, painted this, which was inspired by Glastonbury.
1: By the um, pyramid stage. Yeah yeah killers are right there in the middle
0: painted right on those shrimps yeah
1: that's so cool i love that i love that i love that i was the shaman of the fucking of the the sherpa i I love that honor of being named that
0: (laughs) well yeah it's been fucking a pleasure thank you so much for taking the time uh oh last question is to people who are listening where can they find you follow you that jazz
1: um yeah i'm on youtube.com slash ari shafir i have a podcast called uh ari shafir skeptic tank on instagram ari shafir i don't know no tour dates until april yeah. so they can't find me live anywhere but yeah go to those places and sign up and I'll, i have podcasts and stuff yeah podcasts is probably the best way if you listen to podcasts but i don't know yeah there you go love it if you liked me if you listen to this and like me just fucking find me <laughs> on your favorite places yeah, and if you didn't fuck I'm you, I'm <laughs> terrible at marketing. Even then, I hate it. I hate <laughs> that question. Like, how can i was like, I'm already like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I think I think I think you're the target market of this
0: podcast. You've <laughs> yeah. like, you you've like managed success in spite of yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that. <laughs>
0: uh, All right, Angus. Now it's the awkward. The awkward. Like, it just sort of no one knows where to stop, and it's you know, yeah, cool. yeah okay, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Peace and love. I'll talk to you soon. This has been the Creative Marketing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in again next week for another episode of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, your host, Angus Boyle. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share it with a friend. Share it with 673 friends. If you have that many friends, you're pretty popular. Uh, And you could give us a little bump in downloads if you do. So I would appreciate it. Um, If you've got more friends than that, you're just a freak uh other than that fucking follow me on instagram just be nice to other people that's my real call to action if it's a toss-up between being nice to other people or follow me on instagram don't follow me on instagram just be nice to other people but those two things are not mutually exclusive so do them both but mostly just be nice to other people and follow me on instagram while being nice to other people cheers